This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Elon here, along with Brian, with another pre-episode recording. Hi, Brian. How's it going? Hey, Elon. It's deja vu all over again. But we have a very good reason for introducing this next full-length episode of Keeping Carlson, which we actually recorded and released uh, about a week ago now to every Almanac owner. They've already heard it, but you might have not. And you really want to. This is an annual tradition here on Keeping Carlson. Yeah, so I'll tell you what that Almanac is that he's talking about in a second. If this is your first episode you've listened to in a while. But this is our Schmore Goalies Board episode. We're going to talk about every single goalie in the entire league, break them into tiers, and tell you where we think they all belong. It's like a really fun episode, and it should helpfully help you in your drafts to decide which goalies you think are better than other ones. We recorded it as the final chapter of the world's first ever NHL audio almanac that's been now available to you to purchase for the past couple of weeks. And if you haven't got it yet, I like, what are you waiting for? We put our heart and soul to this thing. 27 hours of content, one chapter per team, plus this chapter that you're going to hear right now, the final chapter where we finally settled on our goalie tiers. Check out keepingcarlson.com slash almanac to get your copy of this uh, thing that Brian and I were obsessed with for so long. We're really proud of it, and we think you're going to like it. Also something we're obsessed with is the Fantasy Hockey League that we run. It's like this multi-tiered mega league where you're competing against... Oh, Cody's so excited about the couple. She's barking. Are you you keeping this? Is that staying in? All right, no, we'll cut it out, but I need to go let her out of this room here. Okay. (laughs) Another thing we're excited about that is special for this time of year is our Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy Hockey League, otherwise known as the Cupful, which we talk about a lot on the show. It's this giant multi-tiered fantasy hockey league. Last year we had over 200 participants and this year we're hoping to have that many or more. And uh, there's promotion, there's relegation. Elon and I pour a ton of time and heart and thought into designing this league to make it the ultimate mix of fun and competitive. And you know, if you're joining it, you are playing with some of the most competitive and fun-loving hockey pulleys around so why don't you uh, test your medal against them by joining it? Elon, how do people join our Fantasy Hockey League? Yeah, the couple, it's going to be bananas. Okay, it's not all, one thing you didn't mention, Brian. It's going to have the best commissioners in a league you've ever played with. Because it's Brian and I. We're going to make sure everything's fair. It's going to be great. And it's like Yahoo Points League, if you haven't uh, heard. So if you've played in Yahoo Leagues before, you're already used to it. You know how to do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can check how out the How do they rules. join it? How right. do they join it? Brian, stop being in such a rush, okay? But, okay, I'll tell you. I know that you want to get to Smorgoliesborg because it's such a fun episode. Now I'm just rambling just to annoy you. Oh, my but goodness. The couple is free for anyone who is a patron of Keeping Carlson. So it's free and it's not free. But if oh. you are a, you're a patron of Keeping Carlson, you get 
a bunch of perks. We ask for five dollars a month in exchange. You get monthly patron cast. You get membership in our patron only Facebook group. You get to play in the couple. You get a bunch of other stuff. Check out keepingcarlson.com slash patron for all the information. And if you are interested, sign up for the couple because the deadline is coming up in less than a week. So don't miss out. And with that, we gotta get to Schmore Goliesburg. You guys are gonna love it. Keepingcarlson.com slash patron, keepingcarlson.com slash almanac. Have fun. Enjoy the show. We'll catch you all in a week with our next regular episode that we'll actually record and not just throw to at the start. Bye. Schmore Goliesburg. Audio Almanac, the final chapter. We're going to wrap it all up right now. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and we're going to talk about every single goalie in the league that we've been talking about over the last 31 chapters. Finally come up with our final tiers, and we're definitely not going to have any arguments along the way. Here is Brian Calm. Hello, Elon. I, I don't know if that last part is possible, but the rest is certainly true. If you are in an all-goalies league, listen to one chapter and one chapter only, this Smart Goalies Board chapter. Smore goalies board. How do you spell that, Brian? S M O R G O A L I E S B O R D. Oh wow! With a, with like an umlaut, I think. <laughs> I don't know the name of the the accent, but there are a few accents. Swedish in there. How did you know it's so? Op- do you have that written down somewhere in front of you? Uh, I do, but I think I could have done it regardless. It's just smore and then goalies uh-huh. and then board. I always thought it was Borg. Like, I thought Borg, but it's Borg. Yeah. Huh. Well, now we know. Yeah, I grew up thinking the same. I don't know why. Some Sesame Street must have misinformed us all at some point. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a kid's word, Borg. And then when you're an adult, you realize it's board, and you become a person who raises your own kids, and you try your best to teach them right. <laughs> but, <for> Ryan... <laughs> <laughs> These goalies, I feel like, are all my children because we've talked so much about them and I love them all. But we're going to have to, unlike your weird grandparent analogy from before here, we're going to have to tier these guys inside who we like best, who we like least. How do we fit everyone else in the middle? And before we do that, let's explain exactly why we're doing this. Like, shouldn't we, you would think conventional wisdom is you're going into a fantasy draft. Why not just have a big list of goalies? Number one, down to number 60 of how you rank them. And then when it's time for you to draft a goalie, you just pick whoever you like higher in the list. And we could do that. It would take a long time because then we'd have to go through the minutiae of every single goalie comparing them one to the other. But also, I would argue that would be a very counterproductive activity because you're in a fantasy draft. Think this through. You have to decide when you're going to draft a goalie. And I feel like the best way to decide when it's time for you to draft a goalie... Well, first you have to kind of decide how you want to construct your team. Like, do you want to have a super high-end goalie that you reach for? Do you want to sort of let those ones go and then go for a second-level type of guy? But once you've made that decision, you decide when is it time for me to actually pull the trigger and grab one of these guys... Let's say you consider, I don't know, Dubnik and Cam Talbot and Jake Allen, 
and Mike Smith to all be, you know what, I don't even know who's going to be better between these guys. I feel like they're all pretty much the same. If they're all available and it's your pick and then you're going to pick again in like six tries, why waste a pick now on a goalie when you know that one of those guys is very likely going to still be available to you the next time around? So take that skater that you think won't be available to you and you'll still get a goalie that you would have wanted. So that's exactly the reason why we do tiering. We want to make sure that you're getting the most value, the most bang for your buck with each of your draft picks and you know as long as you're confident that all of the guys in a single tier are the same to you then you could just wait and get some guy from that tier doesn't matter who brian what do you think is that a good summary of why we're going through this exercise do you have anything else to add yeah that's exactly it we get so many questions all the time like where would you draft a forward where would you draft a defenseman where would you draft a goalie and tiering is the solution to that if there's only one goalie left in the tier that you feel like you need a goalie from. Like if you like, I need a tier one goalie, but there's five of them in the league. You might not have to draft. If it's like a snake draft and you know, you're going to get another pick and four picks, you can probably hold off and promise yourself that you'll get a goalie of reasonably equal quality to whoever you would have picked in that spot. It also helps yeah, differentiate the value between groups of goalies. So when you draw a line, between one group and another, it makes it very clear how desperate you might feel to make sure you get a number one or number two goalie from whichever tier you're targeting. So this is all just to better organize your draft strategy, help you not draft a goalie too early, but also not to miss out on a goalie altogether who you might really, really need on your team. Yeah, though, keep in mind, the goalies are tricky. So as we go through this, keep like definitely realize that if you're listening to this like a year after the fact, knowing how things turned out with the benefit of hindsight, we're probably going to get a lot wrong. We saw last year that goalies were all over the place. So we're going by the data we have and the knowledge we have about their teams. I feel like when we're deciding what tier a goalie goes in, the three criteria that we think about most are how good is the goalie himself? How good is his team? Then how likely is he to get like a lot of starts because you definitely want to have a goalie that's going to give you quantity because wins and saves and things like that are categories in your league. So if you could score really high on all of those, you'll be in tier one. If you score high on only two of them, you're not as valuable. And we'll try to discuss these three dimensions as we go through. And with that, I'm kind of feeling ready to go. Well, hang on. I have my own dimensions too. So I've collected, uh, like I just threw together a whole bunch of numbers while preparing for this. So the the things I'm using to make my decisions for goalie tiering are, Elon, you just named three of the big ones. How often they'll start, how good is their team, and how good is the goalie? But how good is the goalie can be a relative question, right? Like you can take their three-year save percentage and say, okay, well, they've been about this good over the last three years, so that's how I expect them to be. But you can also look at them relative to how an average goalie would have performed and say, well, this goalie's save percentage was pretty good, but they actually underperformed what an average goalie would have done in their spot. They're just very well protected or very lucky or whatever's going on. So it's a hard question to tease apart exactly how much we should be paying attention, especially when a new coach comes in or if a goalie leaves a team that could affect how well a goalie is protected. And in that case, a goalie's save percentage is more likely to be affected if they have been shown themselves to be playing below the level of an average NHL goalie. So that's just a flag we look out for. Another flag we look out for is a goalie's penalty kill save percentage. If it was really good last year, they overachieved. If it was really bad last year, they underachieved. If it was in the middle of the pack, 
perfect. That's where they should be. That's exactly it. So all penalty kill save percentage does is, well, if we see a goalie like Sergei Bobrovsky ranking 33rd in the league in the stat in 2017-18, and he still put up an amazing all-strength save percentage, well, uh, that just means he was incredible off the penalty kill. And we could probably expect him to do even better next year should he be able to sustain his even strength numbers. Which brings me... Finally, to even strength save percentage, which is what I also use. Now, why do we forget what happens on the penalty kill, what happens on the power play? Actually, I'm even looking at just five on five save percentage. So not even four on four or three on three. And the simple reason is that the large, 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 large majority of a goalie's minutes in a given season are played at five on five, which means that's what we have the biggest sample of. So we can look at 200 minutes of penalty kill or like 90 minutes of three on three. Uh, That's a lot of three on three, Uh, whatever. Those are all like very small sample sizes. Or we can look at like 1500 minutes of five on five play, which will do a better job of describing a goalie's work rather than 100 minutes here or 200 minutes there. Okay, I think I get what you're saying, Brian. Let me summarize. Let me know if I've got it right. Sounds like you're saying... The penalty kill save percentage is going to change wildly year by year. That's a very volatile number. It doesn't seem to be consistent for goalies year by year. So you kind of just have to assume going into next year that for any given goalie, it might be high, it might be low, and you don't know. So why include just looking at last year's save percentage overall, which includes the penalty kill save percentage, because that number is going to change. You'd rather just look at the even strength save percentage, which is a more representative measure of how good the goalie is. And then you'll just have to kind of hope, just like when you pick any goalie, and just like you pick any player in a draft, there's going to be some variance involved, and it's going to be involved in the penalty kill save percentage, and that's why it's always hard in the end to get these right, because of this volatility of the goalie playing on the penalty kill. It also, like, you know, if you think about it, if a goalie just happens to get lucky and not have to go on the penalty kill in one game, that's a huge advantage, but that's not something we can project, so what are we supposed to do? We're going to try to talk about how good they are, at least at even strength. I like it, Brian. Also, this whole expected save percentage, so I know this is this fancy stat that you like to use that goes into like a lot of stuff like I I remember you were explaining to me once it goes into like the shot quality and distance and it's looking at all the shots the goalie faced yeah it's it's a contextual stat so it takes into account uh, not just the fact that there was a shot on goal but it looks at where it came from on the ice and the uh, the likelihood that it would have gone in based on that specific shot and not just the fact that it's one absolute shot on goal Right, so then you say, oh, this goalie had an expected save percentage of whatever, 920, but its actual save percentage was 910, so that means that he should have actually done a lot better. So anyway, you get into all of that, though, we should keep in mind that the expected save percentage is still important, right? Because if a team is going to help protect a goalie and help him to a higher expected save percentage, then if you tell me, oh, this goalie was a lot below average in his expected save percentage, another goalie would have been able to do a lot better. An average goalie doesn't matter, because if this is the goalie that's the starting goalie, they're the one that's going to get that nice expected save percentage so lots of things to keep in mind and another thing brian but let's throw out there we might not match what the goalie tiers are that other people come up with you know you're going to use these numbers we're going to come up with them some of these placements might sound weird that's our opinion and we'll see at the end of the year how it worked out and uh yeah like that's it i feel like now now i think i'd like to get started okay let's do it well how do we start 
We're going to start by looking at our very top tier. And why don't we define what do we mean by our tier one? As we go through, we're going to have different tiers. And I feel like we're going to see that goalies are falling into different categories within these tiers. Each time we go down a tier, we're going to be explaining, like, what is it about these guys that make us not as confident in them as the guys in the tier above? But tier one is the best of the best. Last year, we had Carey Price, Matt Murray, and Braden Hopi in our tier one when we did Schmore Goalies Board. And None of them were worthy of that spot with their performance. Like, so maybe before we, so why don't you explain, Brian? Like, what is tier one? And I don't know if you have a hunch as to what we got wrong, or do you think it was just all bad luck? I don't have a hunch. If I had a hunch about what we got wrong, I probably wouldn't have been so wrong last year. The truth is, there's no learning, no learning from our mistakes. No, no, not here. I really don't think so. Like with players, I can get into them and try and figure out, okay, well, why did we think this? Like Alex Ovechkin was a really good example of that, or at least I felt back in our Washington chapter of the Almanac. But for goalies, it's a total cliche at this point, but goalies are voodoo still holds to be true. We are so far behind evaluating goalies and understanding what, makes a goalie good, and what an aging curve for a goalie looks like, whether a goalie even improves over the course of their career, how to project what they're going to do the next given year. Just It's such a volatile position. Things could go so well or so poorly. And yeah, like Carey Price, we can look at him and say, well, I think he's had a pretty good career and he should be able to keep doing it again. And then boom, crashes completely. This is the life of goalie prediction. So no, I'm not going to say that I could have learned any particular lessons, except maybe we overestimated Carey Price relative to his team's value last year. Did you learn anything? Yeah, I think there's something that we've learned. Like Going through the almanac and talk about all these goalies, I feel like we're this year not going to put a goalie in the top tier, maybe not even in the top two tiers, if we don't think they're even playing on a playoff team. Like I yeah. feel like that's one. Like Carey Price is a good goalie, but you're not going to get someone on your fantasy team as your number one goalie and especially like a tier one goalie is someone you have to reach for to even get one of these goalies I'm not going to suggest to take anyone who I don't think their team is going to be good next year I guess the other lesson which I'm not sure if I've learned but I'm wondering if this is a lesson we should consider is Matt Murray we had in our top tier but he had only played like a season and a half like he didn't have a big sample size so while it seemed like he deserved to be in tier one and I think he should deserve to be in a high tier this year he's still like a good young pedigree high pedigree goalie on a really good team but at the same time, he's someone that maybe if you do put a goalie in a high tier that doesn't have much experience yet, you have to put an asterisk beside it and at least point out this is not a sure thing. Like Connor Hellebuck, you know, like he had a really great year last year. We have him ranked pretty high. But at the same time, he's someone that like if you take, don't be as confident. Though The third goalie that we had there last year, Braden Hopi, I didn't learn anything from that. That was just like, I have no idea what happened. Hopi had been good for so long. His team was great. His team won the cup. We weren't wrong about the team. He was great in the playoffs. He just had a really crappy year, and it's really hard to explain. And that, I think, is just the randomness. That's the bad luck. The other two, maybe there's small lessons to be learned. But okay, tier one. So these are goalies that we think are on great teams. They're great goalies, and they're going to play a ton of games are we ready to talk about the first one? How about I'll just get it started and let's bring up Braden Holby because we just talked about him. And even though last year he let us down 907 save percentage, he bounced back in the playoffs, did really well. Going to next year now, Grubauer's not even there. Grubauer's the one who stole stars from him at the end of the season. But next year it's going to be Phoenix Copley as the backup. And I 
hope that Washington has learned some lessons about maybe not wanting to ride Holpe too hard. So maybe he'll get to rest a little bit. But I think they're definitely depending on him to be their number one goalie. A great team. Overall, he's had a great career. So how can we not put him in tier one as a reliable guy? If anything, it just goes to show, like I said in our Washington chapter, it just goes to show that we have to maybe not think of tier one anymore as a guarantee, which is why I personally probably wouldn't even draft a tier one goalie. I'd rather get a tier one forward or defenseman who I know is going to be good with a lot less doubt and then maybe grab a tier two or or tier three goalie later on with a later pick. But if we have to split people up into tiers, how can you not put Braden Holby at the top for at least one more season? If he has another bad year, then that's something. But one time, I'm going to assume that was just an anomaly. It's not going to happen again. Yeah, me too. Out of regular goalies last season, Braden Holby ranked 29 out of 35 in even strength save percentage. And when I say even strength this whole episode, please know that I'm talking about five on five specifically. If I were better with my words, I would get that right 100% of the time, but I know I won't. Anyway, that's an abysmal ranking, and it also shows the first time in six years that Braden Holtby has underperformed his expected save percentage, and a lot of that junk came in not a full season, right? Like, he had some okay moments, and he definitely had a lot of not okay moments, but on the whole, it's not like his good play disappeared completely, and we didn't see him get back on track towards the end of the season. So that's why Braden Holtby remains a Tier 1 goalie, still with one of the better three-year all-situation save percentages in the league amongst regular goalies, even with that awful, awful season, which did bring it down a point or two. Okay, yeah, so I guess not much more to say. You guys all know that Braden Holtby is really good and someone you'd be happy to have in fantasy next year. But again, like I said... I personally don't think I'd be reaching for him, but if he falls far enough, or if I'm worried that, like, Brian, we were doing a slow draft over the summer with 18 other people, and I had first overall, or I think second overall, like a really high pick in that draft. So it was kind of scary, because it, like I got my first pick, I think I took a, well, no, I think you had first... I don't recall. I think I had second. So I had, let's say, Kucherov as my second pick. Then it went all the way to 18, all the way back. All of a sudden, it was like my 35th pick, or the 35th pick overall. And I was looking, and I saw there were a couple Tier 1 goalies left, then some Tier 2. Like, there was a lot of goalies still available, but I knew that after those two picks that I was going to take, I was going to have to wait 36 more picks, and I was really afraid. What if, like, all the good goalies get taken, and all of a sudden, I'm left with dregs? So in that situation, I went with Braden Holtby, because I thought, okay, I might as well grab myself a good goalie now otherwise I might be really screwed later so there are situations where you have to reach for a high goalie but like I said in general I might not want to do that the next guy I want to talk about is Sergei Bobrovsky who I feel like we haven't really ever put in the top tier even though he's been really good year in year out maybe the year after he won that second Vesna trophy but after last year how can we not like such a great season 921 save percentage won a good number of games 37 wins he's the clear Columbus starter there was a time back in the day when we thought that Yunus Corposalo was maybe challenging at this point doesn't seem likely so I think Bobrovsky after yet another good season we're now farther and farther away from that one bad season a few years ago where he was injured and Corposalo was stealing starts that's that's ancient history Bobrovsky has been so good so why not depend on him as a top goalie I guess my little concern about Columbus is if Panarin leaves I don't know where that leaves them but I think they'll still be good enough and Bobrovsky is good enough to warrant a top goalie pick Sergei Bobrovsky was fantastic last year, and it wasn't anything new. He ranked fourth in the league in even strength save percentage. He ranks fifth amongst regular goalies over the last three years in save percentage in all situations with a 922. And the cherry on top is that Sergei Bobrovsky had the 
worst or one of the worst penalty kill save percentages in the entire league last season. So even an average performance shorthanded would have had him right around uh, like even better than he was last year, which is why I think last season powered him enough to get all the way up to tier one. He was also one of the worst protected goalies in the league on top of that. So the fact that he posted one of the best even strength save percentages while facing one of the worst bodies of even strength work cements that Sergei Bobrovsky truly had an elite season at even strength last season. And like I said, nothing new. He's been doing this for a while now. I have no reservations about thinking that he's going to, I mean, look, he's good. He could drop off. We just talked about this, how goalies are impossible to project, but based on everything I have in front of me, I could not at all rationalize putting him anywhere outside of the top tier. Okay, then we've got two more goalies that we ended up landing on a tier one. And by the way, so we've gone through these 31 chapters. We've done our best. Every single chapter, we've placed the new goalies into our rankings. So, Brian, you're going to have to let me know where we're making changes. I'll discuss with you where I think maybe we have something wrong. But we have currently two more goalies in our top tier. And they are Connor Hellebuck and Frederick Anderson, two guys who were definitely not there before. Though Anderson was close, right? We knew Toronto was going to be good and Anderson was solid. But with the way Toronto has improved, how can we not have him there? But Connor Hellebuck, like, how can we not have him there? Even though I do fear the Matt Murray situation where he struggles because... and But I don't even think Matt Murray's bad. Like, I wonder if his struggles last year don't have to do with the fact that he was, you know, still a young goalie and maybe he's not as good. He was dealing with his own injuries and we'll get to him in a little bit. Hellebuck, like, he's on such an amazing team that Winnipeg chapter was just star after star after star st- talking about like how good that team's going to be. Hellebuck was one of the best goalies in the league. I feel like, how can we not put him in tier one? Unless you're going to say that you saw something wrong in his underlying numbers, and we've already discussed him, didn't seem like you found anything. He was solid also all year long. Like Andre Vasilevsky was great also last year on an amazing team. Similar pedigree, similar age. But Vasilevsky had that really slow stretch, which kind of scares me. Actually, it was during people's fantasy playoffs. He wasn't doing that well. Connor Hellebuck all the way through. So how can you knock him? So unlike Sergei Bobrovsky, Connor Hellebuck is one of the best protected goalies in the league at even strength. And he was one of the best shorthanded goalies in the league with his save percentage. So that makes me just say, hmm, a little bit. To Hellebuck's credit, he still outperformed his expected save percentage, which I think is a little more impressive given that the team in front of him played so well. Like if the team in front of you plays so well that you're supposed to stop more goals than everyone else in the league just based on that, and then you still do what they would have done and better, you got to give him some credit for that. I have to say out of our four tier one goalies, Connor Hellebuck is my biggest question mark. I think he's in the top tier based on past performance, but also based on upside thinking that he's got a lot to give. And of course, the Herculean strength of the team in front of him. So I'm okay putting him in tier one. But if I had to put a question mark next to one of them, Hellebuck would be the guy. Okay, yeah, I guess we're not taking a swing here. At some point, we'll try to take some swings. I thought that was a swing. Putting a question mark? Yeah. Okay, I guess so. But I mean, we haven't taken a swing yet of putting a goalie not in a tier where they seem to have belonged from their performance last year. Hellebuck was one of the most valuable goalies in fantasy, so we're going to put him in tier one. And then we have this other guy, Frederick Anderson, who I feel like he's slowly been creeping up our list. And of all the goalie gaffes year in, year out, I feel like we've pretty much been right about Frederick Anderson. He's a solid goalie. He had a 918 save percentage last year, so he didn't blow the league away. But he was solid. He's on this Leafs team that's only going to get better 
better now that they have John Tavares. Plus, I feel like his overall save percentage number is always a little bit lower than what he really is because for some reason, for the last two seasons with the Leafs, he's terrible in October. The Leafs always just get blown up in those first games. I recall last year, didn't they like win 7-6 or something? I don't know. I feel like they have these really high-scoring games to start the year. Maybe they just want to entertain their fans. They play a much more wide-open version of the game before they finally lock things in and sort of get more serious and play a little defense. So if you take out that first month of the season last year, Frederick Anderson was actually like higher than a 920 goalie for the rest of the way. So he's really solid, good team. He's been doing it for a while. He's age 29, hasn't shown any cracks yet. So how can we not have him there? We can't not have Freddie Anderson in tier one with the season he had last season. He was not a very well-protected goalie last year. 31st in the league in five-on-five expected save percentage, which brings me to wondering, I'm just thinking out loud here, is this a curious trend, Elon, that three goalies in our top tier were amongst some of the worst protected goalies in the league? You have Holtby, 23rd best even strength expected save percentage, Frederick Anderson, 31st in that expected save percentage rank, Bobrovsky, 36th in expected save percentage. Are we... Like, is it a theory that maybe these teams know these guys are just so good that lets them cheat a little bit on defense, let these guys pick up the slack, and that helps these teams convert better to offense, like have a better transition game or something? I wonder. Maybe. I mean, you could definitely score more goals if you don't have to worry too much about if you make a defensive mistake, you're screwed. I've heard that said about, who was it, like Carolina or something like that. There's teams where, like, if you know that if you make a mistake, there's a good chance that you're going to let in a goal, you might have to be a little tighter and not take those risks. If you know that you could depend on your goalie, then yeah, maybe you can be a more high-scoring, high-flying team. And we're looking at teams like Washington, Winnipeg, and Toronto, three teams that score a ton of goals. And then I guess Bobrovsky, we have him there because he's just been so good for so long. But yeah, we still think of him as a good team. But I think there's also no coincidence that our goalies in our top tier are all people who had 37 or more wins last season. There's only a couple more goalies in the league that had more wins last year, and we're not putting them in tier one for next year. And we'll talk about why in a little bit when we get into tier two. But yeah, I think you're onto something. It's a clever theory. And it's funny that Hellebug was one of the most protected goalies in the league, and we're like dinging him for it. We're saying, Connor, You had it too easy last year. We don't know what will happen when things go wrong, but maybe Winnipeg will just keep protecting him really well. Okay, back to Anderson. Yeah, so one of the worst protected goalies in the league, but he posted still an even strength save percentage that ranked in the middle of the pack. His penalty kill save percentage was pretty much sustainable too. His three-year all-situation save percentage, a very nice 918. So I'm into him. I'm into Freddie Anderson as a tier one goalie in 18-19. Okay, so that is our tier one. Some people might be thinking, oh my god, you missed this guy, you missed this guy. So let's get into tier two now, and let's explain what's the reason for the drop. Like, what to you is the difference between, say, Holtby, Hellebuck, Anderson, and Bobrovsky to, I don't know, John Gibson as, like, a goalie that we talked about in our very first chapter of the Almanac. It's so long ago, I even forget everything we said, but I look at his numbers from last year, at a 926 save percentage, so an amazing save percentage, actually higher than all the guys that we have in tier one. He won 31 games, which is not as many as the guys in Tier 1, though he did have some injuries along the way. Not too many. He was actually pretty healthy last year, which was good. So is this just a matter of Gibson isn't on a good enough team to make it, or is there also something about him as a goalie that concerns you? No, I think that I think that's about right. Anyone outside of Tier 1, Connor Hellebuck, I was saying maybe he should have a question mark. Anyone outside of Tier 1 does have a question mark, even if small. And John Gibson's question mark is, well, one, 
team quality. Two, you're making a case for health, Elon, that maybe you just talked yourself out of, so maybe we can forget that. Three, he was the top goalie in shorthanded save percentage last season. Numero uno. And while it sucks to count that as a strike against him, he's like, wow, he played so well shorthanded. He's not likely to be able to repeat quite those heights, which will affect his all-situation save percentage. That said... His all-situation save percentage over the last three seasons now is a 924, which is tops in the league pretty much amongst regular goalies. You've got Corey Crawford just below him, Auntie Ranta just above him. John Gibson has been one of the best goalies, and Sergei Bobrovsky a little bit below him too. So uh, I love John Gibson's potential. It's just a matter of what happens when he is a more middle-of-the-pack goalie in shorthanded save percentage, how much will that affect him? If it doesn't, and I don't think it's going to affect him drastically, well, that puts him comfortably in our tier two on a reasonably okay Anaheim team. Yeah, I guess with Anaheim, I'm a little concerned just because their players are getting older. You've got Ryan Getzlaff is old, Kessler, like Patrick Eves. But I mean, they also have Ricard Raquel. Their defense is solid, so they should be a good enough team. But yeah, they're not like a Washington or a Winnipeg or a Toronto. So we've got John Gibson in Tier 2. And now I think our next guy that we put there is going to be our biggest swing so far. Andre Vasilevsky probably... If we're saying that Andre Vasilevsky should be in your Tier 2... Basically, what we're saying is you shouldn't draft Andre Vasilevsky because I'm imagining he's going to be drafted as one of the top two or three goalies drafted in most fantasy leagues next year because he ended the year with a strong 920 save percentage. He was on an amazing team. Everyone thinks Tampa's going to be great next year, and so do we. We were lavishing praise over all of their top nine, couple defense, like three good defensemen at least. Like then Vasilevsky, this high pedigree goalie that we've known is going to be good for a long time. But we decided to put him in tier two. You look at his raw numbers last year, even before Brian looks under the hood at all of these expected save percentages and penalty kill save percentages. You just look at his raw numbers. He was so good at the start of the season. I feel like a lot of people's high thoughts about Vasilevsky were made during those first few months where he was unbeatable. Like Tampa overall was just an insane team. Kucherov had something like 120 something point pace and Vasilevsky was stopping everything. But you go to after January and I'm just looking at his game log. Actually, January was good. After February, things sort of fell apart. Like you're seeing a lot of sub 900 save percentage games. And in fantasy, that's your fantasy playoffs. That's when you need your goalies to stand up for you the most and be reliable. And now Vasilevsky, you know that last year was his first year as a full-time starter, starting goalie in the league. He had Ben Bishop to share starts with the year before. So I don't really want to put a goalie in my top tier that I'm going to depend on for my season. And like, I would depend on him for my season, right? I'd, I'd still draft him as the number one goalie on my team. But if I'm going to say he's the best of the best, I feel like he has to have at least put up one full consistent season. So that's why I think we're taking the swing and throwing him down in our second tier. Yeah, you articulated it pretty well. Vasilevsky's still improving, right? He's just 24 years old. And last year's five-on-five save percentage was a career high. He did overperform his expected save percentage by just a little. And there are just enough question marks and consistency to make us think that maybe he's not a tier one goalie. In fact, He doesn't even, so I did this little magic goalie something. It was inspired by a patron of ours named Ian, who had his dumb goalie tiering example from last season, where he just gave goalies a simple score based on their team quality, how many games he thinks they'll start, and their save percentage. And uh, so I did my own little version of that dumb goalie tiering, and Andre Vasilevsky came out low in it. Like, not so low, not definitely beyond tier three, but he stands out as someone who 
doesn't belong in tier two by that metric. Although, of course, I'm adding in some other thoughts and hunches and guts and context. And, uh, and that's why I still have him in tier two. Here's one of the reasons I have hope. He ranked 24th in the league in penalty kill save percentage last year. So there's room to bump his save percentage up that way. But a reason that I'm not sure to have so much hope is that he has not really distinguished himself from an average NHL goalie in his career yet. So again, still young, room to grow. We'll see if that happens. We're giving him the benefit of the doubt that it will. But even without that benefit of the doubt, he's on an incredible Tampa Bay team who's probably going to keep protecting him as well as they did last year. He was the sixth best protected goalie in the league in 2017-18. Yeah, so it's hard not to put him at least in tier two because of his situation, but definitely a big question mark there. I'd rather let someone else draft Vasilevsky, to be honest, because I don't know. I'm not convinced that he's going to be able to hold up a really awesome save percentage all the way through. Not that I'm so convinced about any of these guys, but some of them have a track record for doing it. Next, let's talk about the former Pittsburgh tandem in Fleury and Murray. They both had opposite seasons last year, right? Like Fleury went from sort of going really down in our expectations. Like when he came to Vegas, no one really thought Fleury was going to be that amazing we thought maybe he could hold it together and be average on a crappy Vegas team but Vegas wasn't a crappy team and Fleury was well well above average he ended the year with a 927 save percentage though as we talked about in the Vegas chapter he along with Vasilevsky he also was really awesome at the start and then sort of slowed down at the end not to the same extent as Vasilevsky but Fleury was down to more average numbers for the last stretch of the season still He's actually someone that I'm a little surprised that you put in tier two. I thought, Brian, you were going to have him lower just because Fleury's older and he had started declining before that amazing resurgent last season, which I feel like in our Vegas chapter, you seem to indicate that you're not so confident they're going to be able to do it again overall as a team and be this amazing team. So maybe we're talking about Fleury on a team kind of closer to Anaheim, which means the reason to have him in this tier would be if we think that, let's say, he's as good as, say, a John Gibson. But I don't know, is Fleury as good as a John Gibson? So I guess you'll have to explain yourself. How did you talk yourself into because I know going into our almanac you didn't see Fleury as a second tier goalie and something you saw bumped him up what was it well Fleury was outstanding last year he had a five on five save percentage that was top 10 in the league and he's still just 34 years old and when I say just 34 years old I guess I'm saying I don't expect him to break down completely although he does have a lot of miles on him Another reason why I believe in Marc-Andre Fleury is that he has performed equal to or better than his expected save percentage now in six of his last eight seasons. So it's the odd case where he doesn't play up to NHL snuff, but emphasis there is being on the odd case. I think Anaheim and Vegas are pretty good comparisons, Elon. I think I like Vegas a little bit better but I like John Gibson a little more than Flurry, So that's why they are together in tier two as both goalies who are a little above average and on above average teams. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Who knows? Maybe Gibson and Fleury could both be well above average like they were last year for at least one more season. Then we have Murray, our second goalie who was like not great last year, but we're still putting in the top couple tiers, Braden Holpe being the other one. But like Holpe, Murray has had a pretty good track record. He had those two seasons with the Penguins, the first one where he came in at the end and then took them to the cup, the second season where he started injured and Fleury was there, but then he quickly usurped Fleury, took them to another cup. He was looking like a sure thing guy. And then last year it all fell apart that we had injuries. He had off-ice situations to deal with and so he struggled a bit he still took the penguins into the playoffs 
but they got eliminated by Washington. But anyways, Murray, I find it hard to not have him at least in second tier. Maybe some people will disagree with me. I've seen people discussing like on our Facebook group or on Twitter that they think, oh, don't even like, you know, don't rank Murray too high. Like, I wonder if Casey DeSmith or Tristan Jari are going to be really smart ads because Murray has shown himself to be shaky. I'm not ready to give up on him just yet. He's not like some guy who came out of nowhere to be good. Like, he was really great in the minors. We knew that he was going to be a good goalie in the NHL. Maybe it happened a little faster than we were expecting, and he's been having some growing pains, but I feel pretty confident. Like, I'd be happy to have him as my top goalie on my fantasy team. I feel like he might end up being the first goalie I draft in a lot of leagues, just because I feel like his perception is that he's not as good. I feel like his perceptive value is low, which means I'll be happy to grab him as a goalie that I think is worthy of being in Tier 2 on still a really good team, and he has a really high pedigree, and I think he's going to get a lot of starts. Percepted value, coining another new word still as far as we are in the almanac. Perceived probably makes more sense, but I've been reading this really interesting book about the dictionary. It's called Word by Word by Corey Stamper. It's so good. It's about how they write it. And there's a whole, like half the book is about how new words come into play and how some people deny that a word should be a word. But they're wrong to do that. A dictionary does not prescribe how to use a language. It reflects the language being used. So if we all say percepted enough, there's no reason why it should not find its (laughs) way into the dictionary. I'm ready to do that for you, Elon. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, let's get that going. Let's see if I say it again, and then we'll we'll move forward. Maybe I just made a mistake. But why don't you tell us why you think Matt Murray is in Tier 2, if you agree. So far, Brian, we haven't even had any disagreements. I'm happy with everything you've said. Yeah, well, we have had 31 chapters to hash this out over like 45 hours of recording together. So I'm glad that we have found some common ground uh, so far. Anyway, Matt Murray was reasonably well protected in Pittsburgh last season, but just ridiculously underperformed his expected save percentage. Like we're talking Craig Anderson, Carey Price, Scott Darling territory at five on five in terms of how bad he was compared to what you would have expected an NHL average goalie to be able to do in his position. The good thing for him is that he's probably still the number one. Well, probably definitely still the number one for Pittsburgh heading into this season. Pittsburgh's still a cup contender. So I'm hoping he can rebound. He's just a guy like Carey Price that you're going to have to take a chance on in your drafts because there's not a whole lot of reason to bump him all the way out of tier two just because of, well, yeah, he had a really awful 30, 40 games last year under some extenuating circumstances, but we are going to hold out hope that those are the outlier and that he's at least as good a goalie as someone like Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, you know, sometimes if I have a cold or something and I take a day off of work because I'm not feeling well, the next day I might not be 100%, but I'm good enough to go into work. But I feel like I still don't perform at my 100% if I was fully healthy. So I feel like any of these guys who suffered from injury, I like to give them a little bit of a pass for not playing up to their potential. Because maybe he was trying his best, but maybe he wasn't back in his game. And also for a professional athlete, you have to be training, you have to get in the right mindset. You know, you have a certain routine that you're used to that gets interrupted if you're having to recover from injury. So I'd like to see Matt Murray next season in a full, healthy season, see what he can do. I think he'll be okay just because of his pedigree. We all knew he was going to be good. He has been. 
Uh, so this next goalie, this might be a little bit controversial, Brian, because we have the Vesna winning trophy, Pekarine, and we decided to place him in Tier 2. And I kind of feel like there's an argument to be made that he should be in Tier 1, and there's an argument to be made that he should be in Tier 3. The argument for Tier 1 is pretty obvious. He was amazing last year. He had 42 wins in a 927 save percentage. Everything he did last year indicates that he should be in Tier 1. The reason to maybe put him in Tier 3 is that he choked in the playoffs. UC Saros was great in the playoffs, and going to next season, Nashville has Saros under contract and Rene has only one year left before he becomes an unrestricted free agent so there could be some fears that Nashville is seeing, alright, Rene's good but he's getting older, he's going to his age 36 season maybe it's time to start shifting over giving Saros more starts and you definitely don't want to draft a goalie really high in fantasy and then have him not getting all of his team's starts. So I feel like the situation of how many starts he'll get is the reason why I'm a bit concerned with Rene. Also, I'll admit that playoff choke still sticks with me. I know, Brian, you like to look at big, huge sample sizes, but Rene's still someone that I'm not 100% confident can hold it together for yet another season as he's a year older. So I think I'm happy to make this compromise and put him in tier two. And I feel like you feel the same way. Yeah, I agree with you that Rene is sort of a fringe tier two guy looking at the whole body of work that I tried to weigh when I'm tiering a goalie. He really is towing the line between tier two and tier three. Uh, he had a fantastic 17-18. He finished second amongst regular goalies in five-on-five save percentage. Congratulations, Pekka Rene, on that accomplishment. Only Philip Grubauer had a better one and in significantly fewer minutes. And over the last three years, he's been pretty good, above average, a 918 save percentage in all situations. And last year, Pecorine also kind of blew it on the penalty kill. So there's a chance he can regress a little bit back from that and get his all situations number a little bit better if his body can hold up. But that is a question. Uh, he's in his age 36 season. He did all right in age 34 and 35 years with moments where he fell apart. In 17-18, he also somehow performed higher above his expected save percentage than he ever has before. So you can hear the conflict in how I'm just sort of bouncing back and forth between, well, this was bad, but this was good. And this is something bad. And this is good. It's like our hunches and guts are telling us that Pecorine isn't quite a tier two goalie, but the numbers still put him there. He's the only one though, Elon, in tier two who has a shot to lose more than say 25 starts to his backup. Is that a reason to kick him out of tier two? Like I'm talking myself into it. Well, I don't know. That would be a swing, right? Because I feel like you could also be making an argument that he should be in Tier 1, considering he's on one of the best teams in the league. He still is the starting goalie, and he had amazing numbers last year. So I feel like we're already making a compromise of bumping him down. I personally might not want to draft him next year just because I am worried about Saros. But that might also be, like, I feel like I've had this feeling before about other goalies Then I turned out to be wrong. Like, last year we thought that Aaron Dell would take over from Martin Jones, and it didn't happen. I've had years where I thought, like, Alex Stalock was going to take over. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm always afraid of the backup goalie when the starting goalie showed some shakiness. But it, I think it rarely happens. Like, this is a very rare occurrence. So... I'm okay to keep him in Tier 2, but if you want to bump him to Tier 3, you're not going to hear a big argument from me. No, let's keep him in Tier 2. He doesn't belong in Tier 2, but he also doesn't belong in Tier 1, and he also doesn't really belong in Tier 3. So I am... Let's just keep him in Tier 2. Let's just 
It, I, that's the easiest way. Yeah, even if he has fewer starts than the other guys, he might still end up with amongst the most wins just because of how good Nashville is. Even if he only plays average, I'd still expect him to get close to 40 wins because of how good that team is. Their defense, unbelievable. Their offense, unbelievable. Like They're just a really good team. So I'm good with him there. Let's go now to our third tier. We've had a lot of fights along the way. I feel like a lot of these goalies that we ended up landing in tier three were ones that I don't actually know if I feel like they're equal. So we're going to have to talk this through. And I think for each one, we're going to have to go back to the benchmark, which I think are the top two guys in Quick and Dubnik. Two guys that, to me, scream reliability. Like, I feel like... And, of course, we'll, we, I'll give you your time, Brian. We can discuss. But I feel like... I know because you're going to say maybe Quick doesn't belong in the same conversation. But I feel like both Quick and Dubnik are guys that year in, year out, they're going to be at least, like, a 9.17, 9.18 save percentage goalie. And then last year, by the way, Jonathan Quick had that amazing year. Devin Dubnik a couple years ago did that. So... You know, and they're on decent teams like Minnesota and LA. Both seem to be playoff teams to me. You know how excited I am about hashtag Team Kovalchuk coming to LA. So I actually had arguments with you to have quick hire, but I'm fine to leave him here. You did convince me a little bit. I was just editing our LA chapter yesterday, and you were saying how, you know, LA actually has really like opened up their game and they're maybe not playing as much defense. And that, yeah, it's amazing how well quick did last year, but it might be tougher for him to keep on doing it, which I agree. My counter argument to you was that even if he doesn't keep up what he did last last year with the 921 save percentage, even if he still stays at like 917, 918, that still might be worthy of the second tier. Like I can definitely convince myself to want to have quick just as much as I want, say John Gibson. I don't know if I see much of a difference or Marc-Andre Fleury. So I'd still be up for putting quick in tier two and maybe even Devin Dubnik. Like I don't know how different he is than like say a Matt Murray, Marc-Andre Fleury. So I don't know, like we did have some discussions, some like thoughts of potentially merging some of these people. So have you given that any more thought or do you want to leave both quick and Dubnik where they are. Elon, I've been waiting to tell you this. I I think you're going to really be excited about it. I'm not saying I'm changing, but remember I mentioned my dumb goalie tiering. So where I'd take save percentage quality for the last three years, relative goalie quality compared to an average goalie, team quality, and number of starts, I'd give each goalie a score out of five and then sum it up. So the best score is 20 out of 20. And tier one, Three of our four tier one goalies had a 19 out of 20. Hellebuck's the exception. John Gibson was the only tier two goalie with a 19 out of 20. The rest were 18 or below. Jonathan Quick, also a 19 out of 20 goalie. And the only place where I docked him that single point was on the quality of his team because, yeah, LA is not quite protecting him quite as well as they once did with their new coach, uh, so how do you feel about that? Do you feel vindicated? Well, I don't know, because this is like a made-up score that you just <laughs> invented that hasn't been vetted by anybody. So I'm not going to... I gonna did it just for you. It, it is a very quick and dirty measure. Like, we're not going to put a whole lot of stock into it. Jonathan Quick, though, we can't ignore. Over the last three years, all situation save percentage at 920. He is an average goalie and i know elon do you find that offensive do you think he's above average yeah I think yeah that's crazy like, okay maybe you could say he's an average starter on a good team like of the starters on good teams he's average yeah. i don't know if yeah. i'd call him an average goalie because that means that like you know goalie you know there's a lot of goalies out there we're going to talk about carter hutton and craig anderson and jacob markstrom and thomas grice and yaroslav halak and like there's a lot of goalies who i think are worse than jonathan quick so i don't see how he can be average yeah yeah So I'm slowly moving towards talking myself into being like, okay, Jonathan Quick up there in tier two, I could do it. 
I could. I wouldn't draft him ahead of any of the tier two goalies. I would prefer Gibson, Vasilevsky, Fleury, Murray, and Rene all above quick. That's not a question for me. I know your next question, though, is, is quick the best of tier three? And does that put him in tier two by default? Whoa. Like, why can't he be at the bottom of tier two instead of at the top of tier three? I mean, we also, we are omnipotent here. Is that the right word? Yeah, we could, yes. do, we could do anything we want. We can make a new tier, right? We have the power. We could make a new tier between tier two and tier three. So why don't we talk through all the goalies that we have currently in our tier three and then make the decision at the end. How about that? Hokai. Okay, so Quick, you've discussed. Dubnik, I feel like though Dubnik is similar to Quick for me. He's a year younger, actually. Minnesota, really solid team. Strong defense. Hopefully hopefully Ryan Suter's okay. Obviously, that'll make a little bit of a difference. Dubnik had a 9.18 save percentage last year. He's done that for the past couple years. He did have that one year when he got traded to Minnesota initially where he spiked and was amazing, so he hasn't been able to keep that up. But he's settled into a really solid goalie, and I feel like a really solid team. He had 35 wins last year, so definitely in the high end. So I could also make an argument, like I actually see Quick and Dubnik as pretty similar, but I also see them as being kind of similar to the, you know, Gibson. But okay, we like, actually, no, I, I'm done with that conversation. Actually, I think that maybe they're below these tier two guys. I think it's either a conversation of putting a new tier with like maybe just Quick and Dubnik. So we'll talk about the other tier three, like I said, but what do you think about Dubnik and my comparison of saying he's pretty similar to Quick in terms of good goalie, above average, not amazing, on a decent team, not amazing, but above average, and also like guaranteed to get a ton of starts. Well, here we go again with trying to define what does an above average good goalie mean? Does that mean they post a save percentage in all situations that's better than the league average? In that case, yes, Devin Dubnik's above average. Or does it mean that a goalie overperforms what a colleague would do, what an average colleague would do, given the same body of work? And in that case, Devin Dubnik is below average, which is why I don't think he's in the same class as Jonathan Quick. I'm going to, I would rather put Jonathan Quick in tier two. No, I wouldn't want to do any necessarily, but I'm closer with you on the Quick moving a little bit up than pairing him with Dubnik. Can I make a counter argument to you? You're saying Dubnik is doing worse than what an average goalie would do in his situation, right? Yes. Okay. Grant, like with that granted, he's the one in that situation, not yes. another goalie. And when we're drafting our fantasy teams, Devin Dubnik is the undisputed starter. Like, I know when we get to talking about the Boston guys, you think there's actually a chance that the backup can take over. So that might be a reason to not be so confident in Tuka Rask if you actually think Halak is better and Boston might see that and start giving Halak more starts. But you haven't said anything to me to indicate that you think that Alex Stalock is going to steal starts from Devin Dubnik. So why does it even matter if he is below what an average goalie would do in his situation because he's in his situation and he's doing what he's doing and it's clearly working out. So I don't see why that matters in this situation for fantasy. Right. So so we had this chat. Was it the Washington or Winnipeg chapter? Maybe it was Winnipeg where I said at the end, you know, I'm wondering if I'm looking too much, if I'm putting too much weight into these relative goalie stats relative to average. And you said, no, it's a good thing. We got it all wrong last season. So trying to add something to the mix to try and fine-tune and and get a little more insight or guess at where we might find a little more insight is a good thing. So that's what I'm doing here. I also agree with you, Elon, that for fantasy purposes, we don't care how well a goalie performs above or below average. We just care that they perform well. And sometimes a good goalie is still not doing as well as another goalie would do in their place. And we accept that. And to Devin Dubnik's benefit 
for next season. If you're like, well, he's not going to stop as many shots as an average NHL goalie would. He was the best protected goalie in the NHL. He had the highest five-on-five expected save percentage in the league, which makes you think with the same decor and the same coach that uh, he'll be be well protected for another year. So you're right. I just wanted to throw in there, like for fantasy purposes, sure, Dubnik and Quick. But if I want to tease apart a difference, that's where it is. Dubnik is less capable compared to an average NHL goalie. Okay, but we have to lock this in now. Like, we're talking now, we're giving I'm people... locked in. I'm good. Wait, so Two, you... three. Okay, yeah. But I would say that, do you think that Devin Dubnik is going to do worse next year? Like, you're saying he already was performing below what an average goalie would do. Do you think he is going to even go down more? Or would you say you're expecting him to be around the same? I am probably going to, well, let's see, 918, 923, 918. So 923 next. He's going to be even better. No, but do you, get, do you understand what I'm saying? I know you're being glib now. I, I No, no, I do. I get it. He's 32 years old. He's not so old that his numbers are necessarily going to fall right off. Remember that the first chunk of his NHL career, uh, he was with Edmonton. Remember when he was Edmonton starter? Those were the days. I picked him really early uh, one year when I thought Edmonton was going to go really far. That was my first time that I expected Edmonton to go way further than they ever did on Dubnik's back. Okay, back to the present. In fantasy terms, Elon, yes, I see that Dubnik and Quick are very much alike and belong in the same tier. Is that what you're asking me? Well, no, I'm just asking you, do you think Dubnik will do as well next year as he did last year? Like, are you seeing any concerns for him to do worse next year? I guess that's what I'm really trying no. to tease out here. No, right? And Unless Minnesota, I mean, Minnesota didn't win the cup last year. So they maybe they make some adjustments. He's less well-protected and a little more exposed for the below-average NHL goalie he is. That's his concern. But as long as the team in front of him keeps protecting him as well as they have, no. I'd expect maybe a hint of age-related regression, but that's it. Or, like, it's also possible that he just plays a little better, right? Like, sometimes goalies can, like, turn it around. Like, if he was playing below what an average goalie would do, maybe next year we could expect that he could at least be what an average goalie would do, which would actually make the way he's protected. Uh, I could even see reason for him to expect him to do even better, because all he has to do is be average. Yeah, I can't get with with saying after so many years of underperforming his expected save percentage that he's suddenly going to <laughs> overperform it. Although Jonathan Quick overperformed his expected save percentage by a career high in his age 32 season. So maybe if there's a like, as you say, Devin Dubnik is going to do the same and have a near career year in 2017-18. For me, though, getting this granular about it, I don't think is helping our goalie tiering. Mm-hmm. He's tier three through and through, right? Well, okay, let's say he's tier three. But now I want to talk about the other guys that we have in our tier three and see if maybe we want to split those guys into a tier four. So let's talk about Antti Ranta, who last year was like insanely good. He had a rocky start with injuries. And I think he had like two bad starts and then got injured. And so everyone was like, oh, no, what a bust. But finally, when everything got cleared up and he was healthy, he came back to Arizona, helped them win a ton of games at the end of the season and he ended up with a 930 save percentage so and Arizona is a team that we keep saying every year but it seems like next year they're looking like they could contend to at least I don't know challenge for the playoffs or be a team that's not a guaranteed loss most nights like they had all those wins at the end of the year they've made a, some interesting acquisitions over the summer they got Galchenyuk they got Osterley they got a bunch of little sixer type guys like Hinnestroza and Michael Grabner so I feel like they could be incrementally better and Ranta did so well last year so that's why I think he's good 
On the upper, on the opposite side, first of all, Arizona still overall hasn't shown us that they could be a good team, and Antti Ranta still, just like Vasilevsky, hasn't shown us that he can put together a full NHL season. He was a backup on the Rangers before last year, and then, or yeah, and then last year he was injured for part of the season. So I don't want to put all of my eggs in the Antti Ranta basket, assuming he's going to be able to hold up and be great all season long. So. I don't know, I feel like he has upside to be here, but also he has upside to even be better. But at the same time, I wonder if we ranked him a little too high. Maybe. Auntie Ranta has question marks. Those question marks don't really show if you forget that he does not have a very large sample size as a starter in the NHL or even as a backup over the last three years. Because of that, he has a 926 save percentage. Or I shouldn't say because of that. I should say because he hasn't played that much, we don't know if we can trust his 926 save percentage over the last three years, nor do we know if we can trust his third ranking five on five save percentage in 2017 18. So there's a lot of unknown with Ranta. And you characterized Arizona well, Elon, when you said, We don't know if they're even a playoff bubble team. We just hope they have better odds to win on any given night than they did in 17 18. So we're not expecting Arizona's wins to rocket up and Auntie Ranta to ride up there with them or them to ride on Auntie Ranta to get there. He's still a guy who has a lot of upside in your fantasy drafts, who's probably someone you don't want to reach too, too high on, but still could provide really great value at the right price. Yeah, I feel like he's someone where if you want to take a risk, you could go with him. He had that amazing 930 save percentage last year. At the same time, I don't want us, Bry, to just, you know, assume that because someone was good last year, they're going to be good again next year. So that small sample size, I think we need to take it seriously and say, look, guys, Rata could be really good. He showed that he has the capabilities, but he could blow up just like a lot of goalies did last year. Just like, you know, Scott Darling looked really good. I know that Darling has never been played as much as Ranta did last year, but still, you know, like we haven't seen enough to really see him play a full season. So to me, he's the first goalie that we're talking about in our tier three that I think is below Dubnik and Quick. Like to me, I would definitely take a guy like Dubnik or Quick. Sure, Ranta has the upside for more, but if I wanted to have a solid guy who I know is going to be good for my team, I think I'd have Ranta below. But let's go to the next goalie. Once we're at the end of tier three, I'm going to make this argument. I'm starting to think looking at these names, I want to make a split tier of Quick and Dubnik separated from the rest of our tier three guys. Because next we have Cam Talbot, who like just like Ranta, we don't know for sure about the team. We assume Edmonton can be better than they were last year. They had some bad luck, but also there's still the Edmonton Oilers those questions on defense and Talbot has questions too because he had a rough season last year so we decided to put Talbot in tier three because he's the for sure number one goalie on a team that we think could be good like any night that Edmonton plays there's a good chance they could win just because Connor McDavid could go and score five points and brute force away to a victory but yeah Talbot is like a solid goalie he had questions marks last year I think he could be a really good value pick in your drafts if people are going to just assume he's crap now after one bad year even though before people were loving him like after 2016-17 Talbot was looking like like a gem to have in fantasy because Edmonton made the playoffs he played all those games I think like 70 plus games so Talbot Talbot is good, but I just want to you know, temper our expectations. Again, in the context of Quick and Dubnik, and let me know, Brian, if I'm being boring, I should stop mentioning those guys, but I feel like Talbot is in a tier more with Ranta than with those other two. Okay. Um, maybe let's just reference Quick and Dubnik at the end because we have so many guys, and I don't want to compare each one individually to those two players, but I appreciate what you're doing, and we'll remind anyone listening to make that little mental comparison as we go and then see if you agree with us at the end. Or, Elon, just keep doing it. What do I know? No, go. Talk about Talbot. Cam Talbot really did not have a good year in 2017-18. Part of that is because of 35 goalies in the league who saw regular time 
Cam Talbot had the 33rd ranked expected save percentage at five on five, which means Edmonton did a really crummy job of protecting him. Unlike some other guys around the bottom, Edmonton also did a really crummy job at winning games for their goalie. So because of that, Cam Talbot really struggled last season, and I feel as though he's not so bad. He has a 914 all-situation save percentage over the last three years. He also ranked 29th amongst regular goalies in penalty kill save percentage last season, which is another reason to think that maybe he can bounce back. If Edmonton finds a way to get their defensive-ish together, which maybe they can't with Sekera out, and Cam Talbot's penalty kill save percentage rebounds, I like him to be better than he was last year. And I like Edmonton to also win more games than they did last year. The question is just, can Cam Talbot put up a league average save percentage? That's best case scenario. That's what you're hoping for. I think he's got a crack at it. I think so too. I think that he could be a really great pick. I think he's fallen too far in value. Like, I don't think he's this bad. He might not be as good as we thought he was before. Probably somewhere in the middle. Bishop is another guy we had in Tier 3. Ben Bishop, he had his first year in Dallas last year. He's okay, I guess. A 916 save percentage. Had some injury issues. He's 32 years old. He, like, has knee issues. Like, I've talked about this in the Dallas chapter. I'm not the hugest fan of him. I'm a little concerned that he's a little brittle as a big guy with knee issues. But Dallas seems like they could be a good team next year. Challenge for a playoff spot. And Bishop has been decent throughout his career. So I guess he belongs here as the for-sure starting goalie. Though, Anton Hudobin has had stretches where he's been good. So I don't know, Brian. Like, I know you like Bishop more than me. I do like Bishop more than you. I don't think he's as susceptible to challenging. I don't think he's as susceptible to being challenged by Hudobin as you seem to. Uh, But I also, you know, I'm not saying Ben Bishop's a world beater. The way you're positioning yourself makes me feel like when I say Ben Bishop's good, I'm saying something really special about him because of how down you are on him. But he has a 919 all-situation save percentage over the last three years, which is a top 10 all-situation save percentage in the league amongst this whole group of starting goalies and potential starting goalies that we're ranking. So that's a positive sign. Last year, he had a middle-of-the-pack five-on-five save percentage. He wasn't the best protected goalie last year, a little better than most, though. Uh, And his penalty kill save percentage was pretty reasonably average. So I actually think that Ben Bishop can probably play another 82 games. Sorry, not 82 games, something like 55 games (laughs) with a 916 save percentage without too much trouble. And I'm just wondering, Elon, if Jonathan Quick is a 917, 918 goalie on an LA team where he starts, say, 60 games, if Ben Bishop starts five games less, how much less valuable can that make him? I don't know. I just feel like Ben Bishop has more room to fall. Like he also had those really bad years in Tampa. There was a couple of years where he was being terrible, like a below nine ten save percentage. So but he, he had a nine twenty six save percentage. No, Tampa nine twenty four, nine sixteen, nine twenty six. Are we looking at the same guy? Uh, I feel like Ben Bishop, maybe then it was just a stretch. Maybe this is all in my head. There was a stretch on Tampa where he was terrible and he couldn't win a game, but I guess... That was 16-17. He was 9-11 in 31 starts for Tampa and then in 906 starts for LA. So granted, 16-17, but outside of that, he hasn't been below a 9-16 goalie his entire career. Yeah, but... I don't know. So I guess you're right. No, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Yeah, was your classic like, huh? 
I mean, I, I guess g- maybe I should change my opinion, but I don't really want to. Well, the thing is also, I'm worried about Bishop's knees. Like what I was saying about Mar- what I was saying about Matt Murray about how, like when you come back from injury, he's had he suffered from injuries last year, so I'm worried that it'll happen again. Like it's not the first time in Tampa. Also, the reason why Vasilevsky got so much play while Bishop was in town was not because Vasilevsky necessarily usurped Bishop as the starter. It's because Bishop was injured so often. So again, I- you're you're thinking of one season, 2016, 17, the three years before that. Bishop played in 60 games for three years straight. It's like Bishop had 2016-17. That was the only year he's ever played. Now he's injury prone. Now he can't play. He's a 9-10 goalie. Even in Dallas last year, yeah, he missed a little bit of time to injury, but he still started 51 games. I guess, yeah. I mean, at the same time, if he didn't have his 2015-16 season where everyone thought of him as a vet, I think he was nominated for the Vesna Trophy. He really rose up in people's thoughts. <sighs> Aside from that, he hasn't been that great. But fine, Elon, but, I'm he good. had a 926 that year. Two seasons prior, he had a 924. Yeah. I, I just like, do you have his stats in front <laughs> of you? I do. Okay, fine. So Bishop's good. He's fine. So I'm, this is like, and this is where it comes out. Like, Brian loves Ben Bishop, but I just, I'm just... <laughs> It's not that I love Ben Bishop. I just think your opinion on him is quite ill-informed and you think yours is the normal opinion. No, I don't know. Also, maybe this is... I'm trying to think through why I have this gut. It's my gut, Ryan. Like, I don't know. It's hard to explain it sometimes. But I think another reason is Dallas goalies have always been a nightmare in fantasy. And, like, I just am scared to have the Dallas goalie, especially when it's Ben Bishop, who, for some reason, I guess that 2015 or 16, 17 season really stuck with me. And I'm worried about his injury proneness. Just putting it all together, he just gives me that this feeling of, like, meh. Like, I okay. don't know. <laughs> I can't explain. Okay. I can get with that better than pretty much 99% of the other stuff you said about Ben Bishop. Well, you know, it's like hard to explain sometimes how you feel. I'm happy to have him in this tier three. Uh, next, uh, we have three more guys that we put in the same tier as Talbot, Ranta, Bishop, Quick, and Dubnik. We have Jake Allen, who, like, didn't have a great year last year. This is like another Camp Talbot situation. Like, he was not great, but we think he can be better. He only had a 9068 percentage. He was challenged a lot by Carter Hutton. Hutton took over for a couple of months down there. But in the end... Allen took over as a starting goalie. I really like what St. Louis did over the summer. They've built a team with a lot of depth. Hutton is out of the picture. Now Chad Johnson is the backup goalie, and it's hard to imagine Chad Johnson is going to steal too many starts. Like, I guess it's possible just because if Hutton did it, like if Allen continues to play at a 906 save percentage, then you'd imagine Chad Johnson gets some starts, but I feel like he's less of a person that we have to worry about really pushing and, you know, putting up like a 930 himself to make Allen seem vulnerable. So I feel like he still belongs in tier three as the for sure starting goalie on a really good team that has been good or at least we thought we've always assumed that jake allen has it in him to be good he's going into his age 28 year though so maybe we have to just at this point assume he's maybe average but still i think that makes him belong here yeah i think this is about where he belongs to him and carrie price in my dumb goalie tiering scores are both 11 out of 20 when most of our tier three guys are 14 out of 20 15 out of 20 and one of the most glaring reasons why jake allen is rated so low in my dumb goalie tearing is that he has a 913 save percentage over the last three years. That is not very good. That's one of the worst numbers amongst all these starter capable guys that we're ranking. Uh, he also might have suffered a little bit unfairly from his penalty kill save percentage in 17-18, which brought that number down. So maybe he deserves a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. But then he also has performed worse than you would expect an average NHL goalie to in his situation. So there's uh, really the only reason to for sure believe in Jake Allen is, like you said, Elon, Chad Johnson does not seem like a great guy to challenge for starts. 
And also, he's a 28-year-old goalie on one of the best teams going into 18-19. And that alone, I think, is powering him up into our third tier. Yeah, he's a guy who you're definitely yeah, leaning on for those other things. Like, of the three main dimensions of good goalie, good team, and lots of starts... Good team, lots of starts, even though St. Louis didn't make the playoffs last year. But I still think that they're going to really make a push next year. Like last year, they sort of tanked at the end. They they traded Paul Stasny because they're like, whatever. But going into next year, now they've got Ryan O'Reilly. Like we talked about all in the St. Louis chapter. They're looking really good. So I'm happy to get Jake Allen as my number one fantasy goalie. But it would be a little scary because you'd have to worry about that save percentage. But if you could get him deep enough in your draft, I think he belongs around these guys. I guess. I don't know. Right at the bottom of tier three. And another guy who's really hard to peg. You could put him at the bottom of tier three. You could put him in tier one if you want to be a true believer. But Carey Price was just awful last year. Before that, he was one of the best goalies in the league. Last year, he was awful. Montreal's looking like they're going to be awful again next year. Shea Weber's out for a while. So I feel like we're putting Carey Price in here in tier three just because like he's been so good in the past that we assume he's going to bounce back. But I mean, even if he plays at a, as a 920, let's say, say percentage goalie, he's still on a team that's not going to get many wins, but he will get lots of starts. So I don't even know if he really belongs here. I'd be kind of happy to put him a little lower. Like I, I can't believe that we have Carey Price uh, higher than Tuka Rask. But at the same time, I guess you have that fear that Rask is going to get usurped and we'll get to him in a bit. So Carey Price, I'm okay to leave him here, but it's definitely because we're hoping that he can get back to being the goalie he was a few years ago when he was one of the best in the league. Yeah, the last four seasons going into this one, Carey Price, all situations, 927, 933, 934, 923, which is why last year's 900 save percentage was so jarring that I need to talk about it in this very somber voice. It was bad enough of a year that it dropped Carey Price's three-year all situation save percentage down to 915 into very pedestrian territory, despite two very elite Seasons. Well, one very elite season, one quite above average. And I also am wondering, Elon, whether or not Carey Price doesn't deserve to be further down. I think we are going to end up splitting this tier. I'm seeing some new tiers taking shape as we're reviewing these guys. We have one more player in tier three to talk about. And then let's let's get at it. I think we can absolutely split these tiers further um, I don't know what else I have to say about Carey Price. He was really bad on the penalty kill last year, so maybe he'll get a little bit better there. But that's uh, that's more than the gap that he needs to cover between 900 and another even 915 save percentage. He ranked 34th in the league amongst regular goalies in five-on-five save percentage and very, very, very badly underperformed his expected save percentage, again, in the lowest territory with guys like Darling and Anderson. Yeah, maybe we could give him some benefit of the doubt also because he missed time with injury. He only played 49 games. Maybe now he has a summer to trade and get his head together and be healthy all season. Maybe that's going to help him be a little better. So we have some excuses at the ready for Carey Price, and we're hoping for him to bounce back in a big way. If Montreal needs has any chance of winning games, it's with Carey Price being the Carey Price that they signed to that huge contract for that's going to last until the end of time. Uh, next, we've got Mike Smith as the last guy we had in our Tier 3 at the end of our 31st chapter. He's like been so solid on Arizona over the years, like a really bad team, but Mike Smith has kept them from being like at the bottom of the league every single year, pretty much. He had a 916 save percentage with Calgary last year. Didn't really tell the whole story because he was amazing at the start. He was one of the best goalies in fantasy. Seemed like a great value pick if you had added him, but then by the end, you were cursing yourself because he got injured, and when he came back, he was really bad right in your fantasy playoffs, a lot like Vasilevsky, except even worse 
actually, I think, or I don't know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Mike Smith really was a disappointment at the end. So now we go into next season, he's a year older, 36, not a young guy, but he's on a good team, and he's shown that he can be good when he plays, but... You know, he's also shown that if he has that injury, then he could be bad. But maybe you've kind of convinced me that I'm over, uh, like, getting paranoid about him being injury-prone when overall he isn't really that bad, aside from the fact that he's older and maybe that makes him more injury-prone. So I'm happy to have him around these guys, the Jake Allens, the Ben Bishops. I'm happy to have him in Tier 3. And especially if we're going to make this split, then I think he's going to fit in very nicely along with my perception of him. Uh Uh-oh. If we make the split, that's going to open ourselves up to all kinds of other disagreements that we might have uh, but just to your point about Mike Smith's injury history that I'm glad you've sort of come to see it my way on I mean there's only really one way to see it and that's that Mike Smith has started 55 games or more in four of his last five seasons yes some of that has included some time on the shelf but it still didn't affect it wasn't bad enough to really kill his starts numbers now I know he's in his age 36 season all the more brittle all the more reason to worry about injury But to say it's a guarantee that he's going to start less than 55 because of injury is uh, is a stretch. Well, I definitely didn't say that. I didn't say it's a guarantee. Just a concern. Yeah, but or or to say even incredibly likely. I didn't say that. I said it's a concern. It's a concern. Well, I that's what I said. So good. I'm just beating up this straw man, and you and I actually agree more than well. I realize you seem to realize it. Mike Smith at this point in his career seems like a very happy and reasonably average goalie. I'd just be counting like as simple as it is. I'd count on another 55 starts. A save percentage in the mid 910, so 915, 916 around there. The question is, how how good is Calgary next year? This is something I'm actually having a hard time assessing to try and figure out how good the team Mike Smith plays for is. Do you think they're like they're probably around like the Carolinas and Minnesotas of the world? Does that sound reasonable? Maybe even the LA's? <laughs> the thing okay, well Carolina's a whole other thing because they just don't have goaltending. They'd love to have Mike Smith, I guess. But uh the thing is Calgary looks really good in terms of their forwards. They have a top six that looks amazing now that they signed James Neal. Elias Lindholm might even be a top nine guy if they keep the same second line uh, as last year, you know, Kachuk and Backlund and Froelich. So they have a lot of good forward depth. They've got superstars in Goudreau and Monaghan. On defense, they traded away Dougie Hamilton, but they still have now Noah Hannafin and Giordano and TJ Brody. So they seem like a pretty deep team. I think if they get the goaltending, they were looking like a playoff team last year while Mike Smith was playing well. When he got injured, that's when they all fell apart. So I feel like I see them as similar to a Minnesota. I wouldn't put them uh, as a Carolina, but but that's a whole separate thing that we'll get to. So yeah, I don't have any concern with Calgary. I think they're going to challenge for the playoffs. I think they'll get in, or if they don't, it'll be because of their goaltending. Yeah, I think that makes sense. If Mike Smith is not healthy or isn't playing up to average, they can probably kiss any playoff hopes goodbye. They are really leaning on Mike Smith next year, or I guess leaning on John Gillies or David Riddick rounding into average NHL starter form. But I guess we'll get to them a little later. Elon, that brings us to the end of our tier three. Are you ready? Are you ready? I think we're going to do it. We're going to make a new tier. Give me your proposal. Okay. My new tier three is, and I'm doing it just looking down the list. I'll tell you who's in. Jonathan Quick, Devin Dubnik, Ben Bishop and Cam Talbot is just on the cusp. And that leaves just below that group, Auntie Ranta, Jake Allen, Carrie Price, and Mike Smith. What do you think? Let's do it. I'm fine with it. 
Like, is that, it sounds like you just don't want to argue with me. No, no, like, Ben Bishop, we'll see, but you've convinced me enough. Let's put him there. Quick, Dubnik, Talbot, Bishop is going to be tier three. Tier four is going to start with Ranta, Allen, Price, and Smith. And then I'm curious to go with the other guys who we had in our tier four before, see if any of them maybe are more like Ranta, Allen, Price, and Smith than the other guys in that tier. So let's go into that. The next group of goalies that we had are guys that, like, Obviously, we have some concerns about, right? We have, like, they could still be good. We're still talking about starting goalies, even, like, on pretty decent teams, except for Henrik Lundqvist. Though I don't think the Rangers are going to be, like, as bad as people say. But anyway, uh, like, yeah, everyone else that we're going to talk about are on teams that could make the playoffs. Oh, yeah, Chicago's terrible, but Corey Crawford's so good. So let's just get into it, and you guys will see what types of goalies we're talking about. Let's start with Lundqvist. Last year, he started really strong. This has been the story about a few goalies now, Mike Smith as well, right? Like, Lundqvist started really strong and then kind of fell apart at the end. He ended up with only a 915 save percentage still. He is Henrik Lundqvist, the coach. What was it that you said in the New York chapter? Like, the coach said that Lundqvist is in the best shape of his life. He's think- he still thinks he's, like, one of the best goalies in the world. Yeah, yeah, one of the best in the business. Yeah, so, I mean, he's still really good. He's still probably going to play a bunch of games. He had 63 games last year, 26 wins. This is obviously not what we wanted. I think he could do a little better. Like, I think that he could end up with a higher save percentage than 915, though he could also end up with a lower save percentage. He has had, he's been really volatile over the past couple of seasons uh, since he's, like, exited being an elite goalie in the league. He's definitely not that anymore. So, I don't know. I, he probably doesn't belong with those other guys just because his team, the Rangers, seem to be in a rebuild mode if they go out and sign a free agent they've got lots of money they've got the cap room if they want to go out and sign an artemi panarin it's a whole different discussion but for now lungfist i think we know what you're getting it's like a solid guy you could have if you could have him as your second goalie in fantasy i think you're in really good shape if he's your first goalie in fantasy you you're definitely deciding to just really rely on your skaters and hope to get lucky in nets yeah that's a pretty good summary of what to expect from henrik lungfist next year the good news about lungfist is that he's still performing well, like he's still performing well compared to an average NHL goalie. The bad news about Lundqvist is that he's as unreliable as ever. In 1718, his quality start percentage was at a career low 53%. That's not quite in bad territory, but it is also far from good territory, as I mentioned in our Rangers Almanac chapter. I also mentioned that Lundqvist had nine really bad starts where he posted a save percentage below 850 in a night's work. And given that he only saw 61 starts, that's in line with the worst really bad start ratios of his career, which came all the way back in his mid-20s and now again within the last couple years. So I'm not expecting an all-star caliber season from Henrik Lundqvist. That said, I think he can pull off an NHL average save percentage. And if it weren't for what I expect to be a tank year from the New York Rangers, I would have him up in the same tier as Smith, Price, Allen, and Ranta. Okay, so we're going to leave him, though, in this Tier 5 and not yeah. bump him up. The next guy's the one, I guess, you'll have to justify not bumping him up. Because I think it's hard now to say Tuka Rask is in the fifth tier of goalies. On it, Boston team, that's, I think, a cup contender. Like, there's not as many teams, there's not that many teams that are as good as Boston. And Rask is the incumbent number one goalie. I know that you've been saying in the Boston chapter and on the podcast that you think, if you look under the hood, Yaroslav Halak has actually been the better goalie over the past couple of years. But that said, it's going to take a lot to me. Like, I think that Halak is going to have to really overperform what Rask does to actually steal that job just because of what Rask means to the team and how much they like him and how much they rely on him. So I feel like 
at the very least, we should discuss if Tuka Rask should go up to the next year. Last year, he had overall, like his raw numbers, 917 save percentage, 34 wins. So a good, reliable goalie in fantasy. There was that stretch where he was challenged by Hudobin. It was early on, and he bounced back just fine from that. If you take out that like stretch of, I think, a month, he'd have probably closer to a 920 save percentage on the year. So let me know, Brian, if you're really concerned that he's going to lose the job to Halak, then we should leave him here because then it's a very scary goalie to own. So I just this is your chance. I'm not going to argue with you. You say if you want to leave Rask here, we'll do it. If you think that we could put him with Jake Allen and Carey Price and Mike Smith, I think that would make a lot of sense. You did two of my favorite things in your Tuka Rask analysis. First, you just breeze right past the point where you counted Tuka Rask out of the job last year with Anton Hudobin's big push. And then the second thing you did is you said, if you forget the crummy part of the year, he probably would have been a 920 goalie. We can't do that. Even like he only played 54 games. So even taking that small a sample, making it smaller, isn't going to make it any more reliable. He did have a 917 though even with that terrible stretch that uh, that he had at part of the season. Here's the thing with Tuka Rask in our new tier setup, Elon, that I'm wondering. I'm wondering if we don't, and I'm going to spoil, can I spoil the rest of this tier? Do it. Okay. I'm wondering if Tuka Rask, Brian Elliott, and Martin Jones don't all belong in the new tier four with Ronta, Allen, Price, and Smith. I think I could get behind that. So repeat that again. So you're saying okay. who's so jumping I'm up? Saying, so our current tier four, our brand new tier four is Auntie Ranta, Jake Allen, who's on such a good team. Like I find it weird to put him here, but until I guess he shows us he's a better goalie, we can't. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Price and Mike Smith. And then, so that's our, our new tier four, Ranta, Allen, Price, and Smith. And then we're going to add Rask, Elliot, and Jones into that tier. They were previously a tier <laughs> below, but now they're just like, we can merge. We're, we're mixing things up. And I think now they belong better with the group in the tier above them than they did when the group in the tier above them included guys like quick Dubnik, Talbot and Bishop. Okay. How about this? I'm going to agree with you with Rask and Jones. So let's move them up for sure. And let's talk about Martin Jones right now. And then let's talk about Brian Elliott separately, because that's the one where I feel like you might have him like a bit too high by bumping him up. But let's okay. okay. For- I will. I'm also going to say, okay, I'm, I'm also going to add in before you do that, that if we do do this, Tuka Rask is the one goalie in this group whose job is actually in jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, but you haven't actually heard that said by anyone, right? Like, I'm, I'm not saying no. this to make fun, or I'm not. I'm, no, I'm just you're right. I just want to clarify. Probably, but they do have one of the better backup goalies in the league, and Yaroslav Halak, who's probably still capable of starting for an NHL team. Like, if he didn't play in Long Island last year, he would have had a much better save percentage. Sure. Same thing with Thomas Grice. But just to be clear, when the Bruins went and signed Yaroslav Halak, there was nothing in any press release being like, okay, we're signing Halak because we want him to challenge Tuka Rask and give him a run for his money. It's like, we want to have a really good backup goalie to support Tuka Rask. Correct me if I'm wrong. Again, I'm not saying this to argue. I just want to make sure that we're clear that this theory of yours, that Halak will take over, that's because you just think he's going to earn it and he's going to show it during the season, but it's not something that anyone in Bruins management is currently considering publicly. Yes, yes. This is purely my own opinion. There's no conjecture speculation out there that's like oh can can Yaroslav Halak challenge for the job in fact Yaroslav Halak when he signed was like yes I know I'm the number two goalie no big deal I'm ready for this role at this point in my career so you're right Elon this is all me I just see maybe it would be better phrased as I see Tuka Rask 
as the most susceptible amongst that group to being taken over. I think that's good. So people could, buyer beware, you could end up getting a steal with Tuka Rask so late because there's an argument to made that he's in the running to lead the league in wins next year. But at the same time, there's some risk. You also said that you want to move Martin Jones up here. So let's talk about Martin Jones. We had him low, I think also for a similar reason. You're afraid of Aaron Dell a little bit. But Jones, you know, he's been solid enough over the years. Like we thought going into last season that Aaron Dell would steal the job and he didn't do it. Some of that is credit to Martin Jones for holding it together. He ended with a 915 save percentage, which is okay. Credit also to Aaron Dell and not being as good as we were hoping he would be. And San Jose is looking like a really good team, though. So I feel like you need to have Martin Jones higher than tier five. I like moving him up to tier four just because he seems like he's been a solid enough goalie to own in fantasy over the years. And San Jose should make a push next year. They signed Evander Kane. Like if they're if they're not going to they re-sign Joe Thornton, like they're going for it again next year before all of their older players start to really fall off. Brent Burns is, of course, a year older, so I think it's going to be a team that's going to definitely make the playoffs, and Martin Jones seems like a really good fantasy option. Like, I'd be just as happy to have him as Jake Allen. Like, I think we're talking similar team quality here and similar goalie quality. Perhaps, but I don't think we're talking about similar backup quality, which is why, well, I guess I would argue maybe he doesn't belong in Allen's tier, but I think he does. Uh, because he's probably similarly susceptible to having his job actually be taken over. But as for Jones's performance himself, forget the backup goalie in the picture for a minute. His even strength save percentage rank in 1718 was 32nd out of 35 regular goalies. Uh, but he still found his way to a 915 all situation save percentage. How do you think he did that, Elon? He had good support by his team. Nope. He had the 25th best support from his team. Okay, so I don't know. He had a really good penalty kill save percentage. That's it. The third best in the league amongst regular starters. So you take an outstanding performance on the penalty kill and you take a poor performance at five on five. And which one do you think his numbers are more likely to reflect next year? I guess five on five, but you're looking just at last year. Has he been doing this year in, year out? Maybe he just you know struggled a little bit at five on five last year. You know, like I get what you're saying. You think he's going to be worse next year, but you can't just take what like as we learned so much from from last season. You can't just look at the previous year and use that yeah. to inform the next year. Yeah. So Martin Jones was a nine twelve goalie in all situations in sixteen seventeen, and I think that's probably closer to where he belongs. I'm not convinced that he is an above average NHL starter. So I would say average at best and probably a few save percentage points beneath that for Martin Jones, which is uh, concerning if he wasn't on such a great team in San Jose. I liked San Jose was my dark horse, my non-Nashville, non-Winnipeg Western Conference dark horse to make the Stanley Cup finals last year. I was wrong, but clearly that just shows where I think San Jose fits in the league. I still think they're a pretty darn good team. Predicting teams to go far in the playoffs is the same as predicting goalies in fantasy. It's very volatile. It's hard. (laughs) I like him here. Like, you know, we've got different situations here in this new tier four. We've got Carey Price, who we think could be a really amazing goalie, but on a terrible team. And we've got Martin Jones, who we think is probably just an average goalie, but on an amazing team or a really, really great team. So I'm happy with that. Brian Elliott, though, you brought him up as someone you want to move up. Like, I don't know, Brian. He's, like, I think the most susceptible. Like, I think he's in a different tier in terms of how much the backup goalie will challenge. Like, McCall Neuverth challenged Elliott all season long. There's probably a good argument to be made that 
Neuwirth would have stolen the job, but he kept on getting injured because Elliot, he was good for a bit, but he was also really bad for a bit. He ended the year with a 909 save percentage. He's also injury prone himself. Philly never has a goalie that's worth owning in fantasy. Like there's never been a goalie that at the end of the year, you've been able to say, wow, that was, I'm so happy I had that guy to lead my team. So I feel like Elliot belongs a lot more with Lungfist and Corey Crawford in this tier five. I don't think I want to bump Brian Elliott up with the guys like Jake Allen and Martin Jones, who like I for sure have their job. They're on good teams. They've, you know, been solid enough for their fantasy owners. Like Brian Elliott's been bad now for a bit. I know he was good at one point, but last year was not good. His job, I don't think is secure. I think that it's definitely going to go to whoever's playing better between Elliott and Neuberth. I don't think like the management is saying Elliott's our guy for sure. And we're going to stick with him. You know, I feel like Martin Jones is more in a situation where even if he struggles, they're going to give him a long leash. I don't think Elliott has it. So I think I disagree with you here. I wonder if we should each get like one veto if you're not going to agree with me. Like, I feel very uncomfortable moving Brian Elliott up to tier four. Like, I feel like if you want to do it, I feel like that we need to put an asterisk that this is like Brian taking a swing and saying that Brian, because you're going to be able to draft Brian Elliott. If you think he's there, he's all yours, Brian, because I don't think other people are seeing him in the same light that you are. I just want goalies who share the same name as me. <laughs> That's reasonable. Is also, the- <laughs> I, I'll tell you one season where Pulleys were glad that they had a Philadelphia goaltender at the end of the year. Back in 2013-14, Steve Mason had a 9.24 save percentage over his last 20 games <laughs> of the year. So he, he was really valuable in the fantasy playoff portion of the season. Uh, but even that still brought him to a 9.17. But the following year, Elon, a 9.28. In 14-15. How how, about that? In how many games played? A lot. He played 51. All right. So I guess you had... Yeah, but that that year, the Philly, like, didn't win lots of games, right? He had 18 wins. Yeah. So (laughs) he wasn't a good goalie to own in fantasy. (laughs) Okay. Brian Elliott. What about him? He's almost like the inverse of Martin Jones last year. He's got the same all-situation save percentage over the last three seasons. It's 9.15, but it's probably built a little more on his five-on-five success. Last year, Elliott ranked 11th amongst regular goalies in five-on-five save percentage, but ranked second worst in penalty kill save percentage. So unlike Jones, where the bad numbers were the sustainable ones, for Elliott, the good numbers are the sustainable ones, which is why I like him to be a little bit above average. You're right, though. He's never quite been trusted in Philly, or necessarily in Calgary, or necessarily in St. Louis, or necessarily in Ottawa. This is a theme in Brian Elliott's career. He's also not really earned that sort of trust, as he has been streaky over the years and susceptible to being challenged. So, Elon, I can get with you moving Elliott or keeping Elliott where he is instead of moving him up to the group above him that we just created. Do you think Elliott, Lungvist, Crawford, Varlamov, Luongo makes sense as a tier? It does to me. Mm, If it did, then that would be like a 5A, 5B situation because I feel like Varlamov and Luongo are in very... Well, maybe Elliot below... I I still think Elliot's too high. I could get... I like Lundqvist better than Elliot, Varlamov, and Luongo. But like, for different reasons. Because I still think there's value. Like, even Lundqvist, with the season he had last year, if you look at his, like, rank in Yahoo, just for, like, standard leagues, Lundqvist still ranked high because he had so many games. He got a lot of saves. He still won 26 games. You know, compared to Luongo, who won 18 games, and Varlamov, well, he won 24 games. But, like, now Varlamov's going to be challenged a lot more. So I feel like Lundqvist is getting... Like, so Lundqvist had more wins than all of these guys 
guys that were talking, like Lungfist had more wins than Elliot, had more wins than Farlamov, had more wins than Luongo, had more wins than Schneider. And we're talking about Lungfist in a year where he was like not that great. So I think we're maybe underrating Lungfist, but I do agree that maybe like Elliot and Varlamov and Luongo, uh, you know, should be together. So what do you think about all that that I just rambled? Yeah, I think, I mean, we had already in the tiers we had going into this episode, we had Varlamov and Luongo together as incumbent starters who are susceptible to being challenged. Brian Elliott probably fits into about the same category. Lungfist is tricky just because if he has an average all situation save percentage, but is on one of the worst five teams in the league, I would not want him as much as I want Ranta, Allen, Rask, Jones, and Smith. Would you want him the same amount as Price, though? I think it really depends what your strategy is. Price is so hard. Yeah. Like, I'd be willing to put Price down, to be honest. I don't think Price belongs right now. He, even if he's good, like, how good is he going to be on this Montreal team? Like, he's not going to get you wins. Like, you need wins yeah. in fantasy. It's almost like Price and Lundqvist belong in their own tier now. Yeah. And then Elliot, Crawford, Varlamov, and Luongo. And Crawford's only there because we have no idea how many games he's going to play. We'll move him up. In, like, he's someone I don't even want to really get into. We can, I'm just, I will quickly. He's a really great goalie, one of the best in all situations over the last three years with a 923 save percentage. He was the backbone of last year's Chicago team before he got injured. And well, they could not survive without him. They didn't have great alternative options, but no option would have been as good as Corey Crawford. So if he plays, uh, fantastic tier three or tier four. If he misses, unknown time, way down on our draft list. Yeah, though, really, like, is Chicago that much better than the Rangers or Montreal? So, yeah, I think I'm actually liking how we're looking. I've shifted things around. Let me know what you think. So now we've got as the tier four, Ranta, Allen, Jones, Rask, and Smith. And then tier five, a tier below is Lundqvist, Price, and Crawford. And I really feel like those three belong together as goalies that we've known to be really good goalies for so long now. But now they have either team concerns or health concerns. Well, Chicago's actually team and health concerns. So I feel like those three belong together behind guys like Ranta, Allen, Jones, Rask, and Smith. And then I feel like Brian Elliott goes in the next tier with the Luongo, Varlamov, and Schneider, who we'll get to in a second, as goalies who could be good on decent teams, but also could definitely be challenged. So I kind of like splitting it up this way. Is there anything you're seeing here that really looks out of whack? Yeah, I would draft Brian Elliott ahead of Henrik Lundqvist, ahead of an injured Corey Crawford, Ooh. and maybe ahead of Carey Price. Okay. So maybe I know Let's that move him up. We'll move him all up. those guys have something in common that Elliott doesn't, but I still think he belongs there in terms of where I value him. Okay, we can do that if you want. I I disagree. Like, I don't think Brian Elliott is... I think Elliott is not the for-sure starter. I think Lundqvist and Price are the for-sure starters. So that's why I would not draft Elliott that high. But if you're confident in him, let's give it to him. So we've got now, to summarize... And they're on worse teams. True. Okay, so balances out. I'm good with it. You've made compromises. I've made compromises. This is why we're such a good team, Brian. So, tier... Even from the top, right? So, well, you, you, you guys remember the first two tiers, hopefully. We'll repeat it at the end. Tier three, we're going Quick, Dubnik, Talbot, Bishop. Tier four, Ranta, Allen, Jones, Rask, and Mike Smith. Then tier five, Henrik Lundqvist, Brian Elliott, Carey Price, Corey Crawford. And then we get to our tier six, which are goalies we haven't actually really talked about yet. Three goalies that are on teams that either made the playoffs or came very close to the playoffs, but have a backup really nipping at his heels in Semyon Varlamov, being afraid of Philip Grubauer, Roberto Luongo, 
I don't know if he's as much as afraid of James Reimer. Like, I think if they're both healthy, Florida's going to go with Luongo. But just the fact that Luongo missed so much time last year, Reimer came in and did fine. You have to assume it's going to happen again next year. Or, like, I would, I feel like Luongo's similar to Varlamov in that respect. And then Corey Schneider, as someone who lost the job for a while to Keith Kincaid, but didn't, but did earn it back in the playoffs. And New Jersey could be good. And Schneider does have a history. So I feel like those three belong together in tier six. Do you want to just talk about them all in one shebang, Brian? Varlamov, Luongo, and Schneider? Yeah. Sure, I can do that. So Varlamov, uh, second in the league in penalty kill save percentage last year. But uh, that obscures, well, actually, he was really good last year at all strings. He was ranked sixth in five-on-five save percentage. Unfortunately, if you go back more than last year and look at the last three years, he has a 913 save percentage over the last three years, which is not good. It is, in fact, bad. And now he has a great backup in Philip Grubauer, or I'd say 1B is as low as Grubauer starts the season. And eventually, if he, sh- if he shows to be any semblance of what he was able to perform at in 17-18, then Grubauer is your new Colorado Avalanche starter by the end of the season. So that's why Varlamov is down here. Even though I had a great season last year, he's done this before and then fallen off completely. So that's why he is not someone I want to trust as my fantasy number one. Corey Schneider, on the other hand, just uh, has not really been able to put it together for a little while now. He also has a 913 save percentage over the last three years, but last year was bad for him. So while Varlamov brought up to 913 last year, Schneider dropped his three-year save percentage down because of his awful performance, both at five-on-five and on the penalty kill. I think there's a little bit of room for a rebound, and he's on a decent New Jersey team. But again, he was usurped by Keith Kincaid at one point last season. I still, like if you told me to bet on who's going to get more starts in New Jersey next year, I still go Corey Schneider. But of course, it is concerning with someone breathing down his neck. And then we get to Roberto Luongo, who is just super interesting at this point in his career. Two years ago in 16-17, he was the top-ranked goalie or amongst the top-ranked goalies in penalty kill save percentage. And I saw that, and I saw his fantastic numbers, and I was like, look, this guy's should be dropping off like he's too old and it seems clear based on this high penalty kill save percentage that that's going to correct itself fairly easily in 17-18 and then 17-18 he went ahead and put up the fourth highest penalty kill save percentage in the league so two straight years with unsustainable penalty kill save percentages although in small sample sizes, right? Last year he missed a bunch of time, didn't play a whole lot. So it's fair to think that would have regressed Anyway, had Luongo kept playing, but at the same time, he had a pretty good five-on-five save percentage, too. He ranked seventh in the league there amongst regular goalies. So, man, I guess he starts the year. I don't think James Reimer is like a massive threat. I think it's Luongo's net until he falls apart, which honestly, I think he can make maybe 40, 45 games before really having an awful run that makes you wonder, hmm, should James Reimer be the new number one goalie, or it could happen five games into the season. This is why Luongo's here. It's entirely unpredictable, especially given his age. Yeah, you definitely don't want to bank on Roberto Luongo as your number one goalie on your team in fantasy next year, but he could make a really good number two. Just like I said, Henrik Lundqvist, I think Lundqvist is more reliable because he's for sure going to get all the games, but 
Luongo could, but also Reimer, Reimer's weird, and we talked about him in the chapter, we'll talk about him, hey, let's talk about him right now, he, like, sometimes goes on these hot runs where he's amazing, like, I picked him up as a free agent in the couple last year, midway through the season, and he, like, proceeded to win, like, I think, I don't know, it felt like 10 games in a row, it was just every day, he was killing it for me, and I ended up trading him, and then he ended up slowing down, as, as you'd expect, and because, but also, at that time, Luongo was injured, so Reimer has been good, but he's also had stretches where he's been really bad, you look at his overall save percentage, 913, but, with Luongo a year older, at some point it's going to happen, right? We're not going to be doing this Schmorgolisborg in five years and still talking about Roberto Luongo oh, putting you up... You never know at this point. We've been saying this for what it feels like. Ever since James Reimer was signed, this has been our line. Yeah, well when the, the year that Reimer was signed, we thought maybe Reimer would challenge for the starting goalie, and it hasn't happened. That's why we have Luongo in a higher tier, but I can't move Reimer, or sorry, I can't move Reimer into a starter, and I can't move Luongo like any higher, because this situation is what it is, and it's still a tenuous situation for him, just just like Varlamov, as you discussed with Grubauer backing him up, and then Corey Schneider. The thing with uh, Varlamov, I will point out, is I think Colorado is a little bit of a paper tiger. Like, I don't know if they're as good of a team as they were last year. So I just, just throwing that out there. That's my fearless prediction. I feel like Colorado has that one amazing first line of McKinnon and Landeskog and Rantanen. They have Tyson Berry. And that's, I don't know, like, I like Eric Johnson, but, like, I just don't think they're a deep team, and I feel like if there's any, like, like that first line's gonna have to do it again, right? They're gonna have to be McKinnon playing at, like, 110, 120 point pace in order to push them forward to as many wins as they had last year, in my opinion. I'm with you on that one, Elon. Colorado does seem to be a team likely, or, or at least susceptible, to fall off their pace last year, and that would hurt Varlamov, potentially hurt Grubauer. Of, I, I know you've moved on a little bit, but just you were talking about James Reimer. I just want to say, out of Varlamov, Schneider, and Luongo, I still believe Luongo has the highest upside of that group in that tier. Yeah, he has the highest upside, but also he's the oldest by like seven years. So that's why he has to stay there. So, sorry, yeah. Luongo. Uh, so the next tier, we sort of split it up into 7A and 7B. So it kind of depends what you want at this point. So we've got the two guys we've discussed, Grubauer and Reimer. I feel like Grubauer would be higher. I feel like Scott Darling is the reason why we have Grubauer so far below. Because we've seen him as a backup be amazing. But now like we saw Darling as a backup be amazing. We saw how that worked out. So I'm not ready to bank on Grubauer being for sure, for sure, a future amazing goalie in the league. But at the same time, he was so great in Washington. Next year, he's still probably the backup or, you know, challenging for starts with Varlamov going back and forth. Great guy to pick up, I think, at this point in a dynasty league. Because I think Colorado does have a good future ahead of them when some of their young players get older. If this Cal Makar is who people think he is, if Tyson Jost, you know, improves. So I like Grubauer long-term for next year. I have him as this, like, 7A, well, we have him, along with Reimer. Like, at this point in your draft, if you're already pretty happy with your starting goalies, you could grab these guys who could challenge for starts and potentially be good. Or... If you still need a starting goalie at this point in the draft, we made a tier 7B, so we think similar value overall, but you, if you might need a starting goalie, so these are like the worst of the worst, for sure, at least to start the year, starting goalies, and that's Carter Hutton, Craig Anderson, Jacob Markstrom, and Jimmy Howard. And so, like, we could go through them quickly. I'll just talk about them all, Brian, then you can as well. Carter Hutton had that amazing run on St. Louis last year. Obviously, that's what earned him this contract. But before that, he had been an average goalie, like an average backup even. Like, he wasn't that good. So it's really hard to have a lot of faith that the now 33-year-old Carter Hutton is an amazing goalie that's going to help lead Buffalo forward. But at the same time, 
He's going to the season as a starter. And Buffalo, I'm liking Buffalo for next year. Now they've got Rasmus Stalin. Now they've got, you know, hopefully a healthy Jack Eichel. They got Jeff Skinner in a trade. Like, it seems like they're finally moving forward. Like, I feel like a team that has a generational center, and maybe generational is not the right word, but like a, a really high-end superstar center and a generational defenseman is moving in the right direction. And if Hutton can hold that job, he could be a decent option for you. Maybe even a good sleeper as he might fall really late in drafts. And Buffalo, I think, is probably going to be the best team of the other three goalies that we have in this tier. We've got Craig Anderson on Ottawa, who, if he follows the Craig Anderson pattern that we talked about in the Ottawa chapter, the Craig Anderson law of nature, then he'll be great next year because he seems to always go good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. But last year was definitely a bad with an 898 save percentage. He is 37 years old. He's, you know, pretty old, like maybe not compared to Luongo, but he's still definitely getting up there. A lot of miles on him. So I feel like Craig Anderson's a very shaky starter to pick, but he is still the starter on Ottawa. Doesn't seem like Mike Condon is going to challenge too much. You got Jacob Markstrom on Vancouver. Vancouver was the one chapter in our almanac where we had to just talk about the team's history because we didn't have too many players to talk about to fill the time. But Marston was solid last year. 9-12 save percentage, 23 wins, still more wins than Luongo and Schneider. So, you know, you can't you could do a lot worse than Jacob Markstrom if you want to grab a starter super late, if you really want to just bulk up on forwards and defensemen and then just grab a starting goalie later. Then we have Jimmy Howard, who I assume Actually, I was thinking it was more going to be like a 1A, 1B with Bernier, but you convinced me that Bernier, or at least you you forced it in here that Bernier is not as good as I think he is. Like, obviously, his underlying numbers don't match the sort of average numbers he's been putting up the last few years. So you see Jimmy Howard as a starter in Detroit. So that's why we have him here as well as the four final starters in our Tier 7B. Yes. Good summary, Elon. Carter Hutton of the four seems to have the most upside. We don't know how good he can be. We don't know how good Buffalo can be. He has a 921 save percentage over the last three years, but in very, very limited time. So just a good, good, good guy if you want to take a swing at this point and you want volume. Anderson, Markstrom, Howard, all of them are in the 912, 913 range in save percentage over the last three seasons. All of them on teams who are likely to suffer similar fates in 1819. And uh, all of them, honestly, pretty even in just about any way you slice it. So I think that all makes sense, Elon. The one guy that I feel like you've moved out and I didn't realize is Cam Ward, who I'd put up there what? in that tier as a volume guy if. Corey Crawford's injured. Like, I just, I don't know what to do with these <laughs> Chicago guys because there's like the biggest question mark ever about whether or not Corey Crawford is going to be ready to start the season. He's going to be ready to continue the season at any point. We definitely never had him there. You're totally making this up. Cam Ward's been in our tier nine, okay. like the second last year, the whole way through. Like, even if Ward starts the season, if Crawford plays, Ward becomes useless. Now, definitely Ward is nowhere in this conversation. He I'm is- just saying, well, if Crawford, like, this is an adjustment we make. If Corey Crawford is going to miss time, we bump Cam Ward up into this tier. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. If if Crawford, if it's announced that Crawford's out for the season, then yeah, Cam Ward is the starting goalie on a crappy team, and it's going to be terrible, but, you know, probably the same as Jacob Markstrom in Vancouver. They're probably even worse. Uh, yeah, I would actually say Cam Ward is worse than Anderson, Markstrom, and Howard. He would be the worst goalie in the tier. He'd well, just be there as the last guy you could count on for volume, and, well, anyway, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's all. Right now, we still are expecting Corey Crawford to play next season. That's the indication. He's thinking he might be ready to start the season. The one goalie that I might actually move up, only if you agree, Brian, I kind of feel like I want to move Carter Hutton up. I feel like we're saying that he could be a really good swing, but then we have him down with, like, Craig Anderson, the guys we know are going to be bad. I kind of feel like Carter Hutton belongs to me around Corey Schneider, like... uh, 
I feel like he, they signed him to be the starter. I know that we think Linus Allmark could be good, but I think going to next season, I don't know. It's like a hunch I have that I feel like I would want to tell people that when you're around the time picking your Schneiders and your Varlamovs and your Luangos, I feel like it's also would be reasonable at that point in your draft to also go with Carter Hutton as someone who could end up getting the most starts of all of these guys and be on a potentially decent team. I agree that Hutton has the most upside of these four goalies. In fact, I'm pretty sure I said that. No, these four, I, but I'm talking about even of like Varlamov, Luongo, and Schneider. Right, I know. So I'm saying there's a case to be made that he doesn't quite belong with this group, but I also don't think he quite belongs with that group either. I think a lot of it is going to come down to what you think the Buffalo Sabres are going to do in 1819 and how big a step forward they're going to be able to take. I am maintaining skepticism. Okay. So I am not going to put Carter Hyden just because of team quality, I'm going to leave them with other starting goalies in situations where their team quality is similar. Okay, and also there's the fact that Carter Hutton's been decent lately, and all these other three have not. But okay, if we were making separate tiers, I, I think... I address that. Small sample. Of course, yeah. So I, if we were making separate tiers, then I would probably have Hutton one level higher. Not a big difference, but let's stick with what you have. You made that compromise with me before about Brian Elliott. So now we're even, and we go into... We're getting to the dregs here. So we have tier 8A and tier 8B. So similar to tier 7, you could go with a goalie that might end up being the starter. Like he's going to have to battle. We have two teams where we have no idea who the starter is going to be in the Islanders and Carolina. And then we also have a bunch of backup goalies that are for sure going to the season as the backup, but could, I think, like easily challenge and potentially steal the job. Maybe not as much Aaron Dell, but I, we had him there because you think so. I would probably move Aaron Dell down. But okay, let me just say who these names are. So 8A... Like I said, it's the Islanders guys, Thomas Grice and Robin Leonard, and the Carolina guys, Scott Darling and Petter Morazic. None of these four goalies have inspired much confidence over the last few seasons, especially last season. But at the same time, Carolina could be good. The Islanders could be, I don't know, okay. We'll have to see how they adjust to not having John Tavares in the fold. And one of these goalies could be a starter, but we don't know which one. So if you're taking a pick here, you might want to grab the tandem if that's your strategy, or you might just want to roll the dice. We had different arguments for why we think maybe Grice will be the starter to start the year. Maybe Leonard will be. And then Darling and Morazic, same thing. We were both going back and forth. I think you said you like Morazic better. I said I think maybe Darling, but really, who knows? So you could go with one of those guys, or you could go with one of these guys in 8B, where we put Halak, we've discussed a lot. We have him at the top of 8B, because I know you really think he has a chance to challenge Tuka Rask. Then we have UC Saros who, again, we've seen that Nashville likes, and they just signed they signed him to really low money, but I feel like that doesn't say what they like about him. I think that says more that UC Saros maybe needs to get a new agent. Uh, we have Keith Kincaid, who stole the job last year in New Jersey. We have Aaron Dell, who we thought could challenge to steal the job in San Jose. Mikhail Neuverth, who, if he could stay healthy, I definitely could see him challenging Brian Elliott. And then I think I forced this one in. So at this point, Brian, you have your chance to move him out, but I have Jonathan Bernier here as a guy who I also think is going to be very capable of of stealing the job from Jimmy Howard next year. Like, I think it's definitely in the realm of possibility, maybe like a 40% chance. Okay, first, let's tell the people what they want to know about the Islanders and Carolina situations. The goalie who's most likely, these are guesses. I don't know, but I'm going to give you my best guesses. Elon, I want yours too. The goalie most likely to start the year for the New York Islanders. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to say yours first. I'm going to say, okay. honestly, you mine first? I'll say Thomas Grice, but I feel Me like it's. But we could go really go either way. I think it's going to depend on training camp. Like, I think the decision has not been made yet. Okay, no, but but that's that's the point of this exercise. We have no idea. Who yeah. do you think is going to start the year? If you were a betting man, 
Who would you bet on? Well, I just said Thomas Grice. I'm saying this not to you. I'm not just saying this as an excuse. I'm saying a lot of these teams, I think it's already decided. Like, I think Jimmy Howard is going to start the first game for Detroit. But I'm saying this one, these are definitely training camp decisions. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'm I'm glad this punchy little exercise uh, got... uh, Anyway, Thomas Grice, I also think he's going to start the year in New York. Who do you think is going to finish the year? For the athletes. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't think it's worth it at this Take point. Take like, a guess. I could throw a guess at you, but to the listeners, I want you to know, I <laughs> literally don't know. It's 50-50 to me. We've made that clear. Me. We have no idea what's going to happen in these situations. None. So fine. I'll say Grice. Okay, me too. In Carolina, who do you think starts the year? Darling. I think Darling also. Who do you think finishes the year? Darling. Okay. I think... Darling also. But I think Marizic should. Whereas in, in Long Island, I think Grice should be the guy and so will be the guy. I think Marizic is better than Scott Darling, but I don't know that he's going to get as good a shake because the Hurricanes are certainly invested in Scott Darling, working out for them at least for the duration of his contract. And then into the next tier, Elon, Yaroslav Halak and UC Saros, both guys who I think have a legit crack at stealing the job on an excellent team in the NHL this year. Keith Kincaid, crack at seeing the job on a decent team. Same with Aaron Dell. Same with Mikhail Neuverth, which is why I'm hesitant to put Jonathan Bernier with these guys because even if he does steal the job, he's still on a crummy team. Yeah, but so's Craig Anderson and Jacob Markstrom, and we have them in a tier higher. Yeah, but they're they're starters. They're going to start the year for their team. Jonathan Bernier is a guy who we expect to challenge for the job. Well, the thing is, we're running out of tears here, Brian. Like, Jonathan Bernier, I think, has a really decent chance to be the starter on Detroit. If we're not okay. going to put him here, then we could drop him down. But then we're putting him with, like, Ryan Miller and Anton Hudobin, yeah. who don't okay. have any chance. Okay, so Jonathan Bernier, he's there in this tier because he has a similar chance to the others as playing, say, 35 games. But uh, if we dropped him another, those guys are almost exclusively going to be limited to 20 or 25 games. So that's why Bernier's in the higher tier, even though he's on a crummy team. Elon, one player I'm going to throw out at you from the tier, from the next tier. So Miller, Hudobin, Olmark, Ward, Copley, Chad Johnson, Malcolm Subban, McElhaney, and Corpusala. One guy who I think maybe should join Jonathan Bernier then is Linus Olmark. What do you think? Um... I mean, someone likely or who has one of the better chances, a better chance than the rest of the guys that I just named at challenging for 35 starts. It's an interesting idea. Here's the way I'm thinking about it. I could do it if you want to do it. We can make like a uh, 8C if you want. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm not making an 8C. Okay, or a 9A. Or we can make a 9A, 9B then. No, it's either Allmark stays in 9 or moves to 8B. Okay, I think the difference between Allmark and Bernier is I think that Buffalo signed... Carter Hutton over the summer to decent money to be their starting goalie. And Detroit signed Bernier over the summer for decent money to challenge. I, I think like the, what I've seen from the team's moves with their wallets is that I think Jonathan Bernier is going to be expected to challenge Jimmy Howard for starts in Detroit as Detroit, by the way, is transitioning, right? Like Detroit's not expecting to win next year. Jimmy Howard is not their goalie of the future. They signed Jonathan Bernier to a three-year contract. So as much as you think it was a dumb move of them because you think Jonathan Bernier is no good, it seems to me like Jonathan Bernier is destined to be potentially their starter in like two, 
three years from now until maybe some other guy comes up from the minors to take over. But that takes a long time for these young goalies to develop. So Bernier could be a stopgap guy, a lot like Carter Hutton, actually. Like, I think Carter Hutton is eventually going to seed the job. But I think for next year, I'm more confident in Carter Hutton being the starter for the whole season than I am in Jimmy Howard, which is why I have Jonathan Bernier in a tier higher than Linus Allmark. But if you want to move Allmark to Bernier, I'm okay with it. But I don't think I'm more confident in Bernier getting more starts than Allmark. If the Wings are expecting Jonathan Bernier to be their goalie of the future in two or three years when Howard's done, uh, it's a weird choice to make to want your goalie of the future to step in at the age of 32 and 33 years old. He's 30 right now. Yeah. But Jimmy Howard's thing. The whole thing was questionable, right? I went pretty deep into it on the Detroit chapter. Um, yeah, we're in agreement. Like, I don't think Detroit yeah. is making smart moves, but you look yeah. at who no, they have. I, I understand. Don't, you don't need to restate your point. You stated it very well. It was very clear. Clear as a bell. I got it. So do you uh, want to leave it? Jonathan Bernier has the investment from his team, or Linus Allmark, uh, the other guy, has the investment from his team. So honestly, it could go either way. I really don't know. Uh, Allmark is like on the line between, I mean, now I see why you wanted an 8C or a 9A. I feel like I refuse to get that granular. Do yeah. you think it'll be actually helpful to do? I think we're fine. I think, like, I've moved Allmark up to the top of Tier 9. So how about that? So okay. when people look at and this And Bernier's list, at the bottom of his tier. So they're essentially in their own little tier. Yeah. If you've listened all the way through. And, we're and you sh- care about goalies this deep. Yeah. I mean, we'll share the spreadsheet at some point with people when, like, as we always do for our Schmore Goalies Borg episode, which, spoiler, we're just going to release this as our Schmore Goalies Borg episode. We're not going to do this all again in September. But- Almanac purchasers got it ahead of time. We don't know exactly how far ahead of time, but uh, but you're the first to be listening to Smore Goldie's Board. Yeah, Congratulations. Sure. Well, Thank plus, you for your purchase. You also got 31 chapters of deeper analysis, <laughs> even though this feels like we've been doing 21, 31 chapters worth of analysis just in this one chapter alone. Oh, my God. Okay, so tier nine, let's finish this up. We've got at the top with a bullet, Linus Olmark, and then the rest are goalies who are like not the worst backups. Like they could have some value next year, either in spot starts or maybe to even take a little bit of time from their starter. So some of these guys we just think are really good for spot starts, like Curtis McElhenney on the Leafs or say Eunice Corposalo on Columbus, or we have Chad Johnson in here, not because we think he's very good, but because I think that uh, Jake Allen has shown that he can be susceptible to to lose games every once in a while. So And St. Louis is a very good team. Yeah. So tier nine, we've got Allmark, Ryan Miller, Anton Hudobin in Dallas, Cam Ward in Chicago, which I would put him in tier 10, actually, if Chicago uh, made it clear that Crawford is healthy, but we're putting Ward here because you know, we don't know. Uh, Phoenix Copley on Washington, Chad Johnson, Malcolm Subban, Curtis McElhenney, and Eunice Corposalo. And then in our bottom tier, these are all the rest of the guys we talked about in the Almanac that we decided aren't worth moving up. But Brian, I'm going to say one more time an argument for a couple of them. But we've got... Oh, great. Darcy Kemper, David Riddick, John Gillies, Miko Koskinen, Jack Campbell, Alex Stalock, Antti Niemi, Louis Demang, Mike Condon, Alexander Georgiev, Casey DeSmith, Tristan Jari, Laurent Brossois, and Anders Nilsson. I feel like the two, or the four, I guess, that stand out in this bottom-bottom tier are Riddick and Gillies in Calgary and DeSmith and Jari in Pittsburgh, because we have two sets of guys who we don't know who's going to make the team and who's going to go to the minors, but I feel like if one of DeSmith or Jari make the team for Pittsburgh, that person is going to be 
a decent spot start. And Matt Murray, as much as I'm confident in him, he did show stretches of inconsistency last year. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that DeSmith or Jari could even get a couple more starts if that happens for a short stretch. So I kind of, I, I understand we put them both in tier 10 just because, you know, one of them could go to the minors. But I almost feel like I'd rather put them both in tier 9 and then move the other one down or like off the list completely when, because I feel like when you're drafting this late, you're basically taking a swing. If you're even drafting these types of goalies, it's because you're just taking a swing that you hope something will happen. You have to grab a deep goalie anyways. So I feel like I would take a swing on like a Jari or DeSmith before say a Louis Demangue because at least I have a chance of getting a goalie. Well, actually Demangue's also on a really good team. So maybe he's not a good example, but like say Jack Campbell, I, you know what I mean, right? Like I feel like there's I know, more. I know what you mean. I got it. And I'm with you. We're good. Okay, so we'll it's mo- six of one, half dozen of the other. You can start them low, them both low, and then move the guy that gets chosen up, or you can start them both high and move the one who doesn't get chosen out of the tiers entirely. So uh, in your drafting scenario, I get it. Take a swing. Why not try and guess if it's going to be DeSmith or Jari rather than picking David Riddick or Darcy Kemper or Mike Condon? <laughs> Well, actually, David Riddick's the other one I want to bring up because (laughs) just like DeSmith and Jari, we've got Riddick and Gillies, who on one hand weren't that great last year in the short time they played, but... Mike Smith, as we said, is older, and I know you say that I overblow how injury-prone he is, but I think there is a decent chance that Mike Smith loses misses some time and i think calgary is a decent team so i might also say that i want to move riddick and gillies up a tier or do you think i'm going too far Hmm. i mean calgary just isn't quite as good but essentially we're talking about the possibility the upside that these guys have over uh the rest of the pack who's in our bottom tier who have essentially no upside so okay I can get with it. I thought you were going to make a case for Alex Stalock to be moved up to playing Ugh. for Minnesota. No, because Alex, okay, because Dubnik's a workhorse. I did. That's that's just what I thought. Oh yeah, no way. Come on, I liked Alex Stalock like a million years ago. If there's any guy in the bottom tier who someone could maybe make a case for, I'm trying to think like who of who's left now. We've got Kemper, Koskinen, Campbell, Stalock, Niemi, Demang, Condon, Georgiev, Brossois, and Nilsson. Who's the one to make an argument for? I feel like it would be Demang, just because Tampa Bay is so good. You kind of are probably going to want to get his spot starts. Or Brossois, actually, on Winnipeg. But just, I have no confidence in these guys, and I feel like their starting goalies are going to play a lot. I'm, I'm really happy with these Tier 10 guys. I don't think any of them are worth a shot. Okay. Yeah, me too. So we did it. We're done. Wow. Are you sure? Are you sure there aren't another 45 goalies hiding under, like, swept under the rug somewhere that you've put out of the way just to trick us into ending Schmore goalies board? I think if you compared the, like, tone and timbre and pace of our voices and clarity from the start of this episode to the end, uh, it was a drop. (laughs) <laughs> like, we are both exhausted. Yeah, we've been recording for a week. We started Friday night last week. It's Friday morning now, a week later, finishing up our almanac. And with that, that's the end of Schmore Goalsborg. Let's cut it here for when we release this in the future. And now let's get back to some almanac talk to finish things up. Thank you for listening all the way through. So amazing. Woo! Wow, we did it. And you did it. Like, tweet at us. Let us know. if you Once you get to the end of the Almanac, I want to know that you made it. I wonder how many people are going to go all the way. I guess if you bought it, you might as well listen all the way. That's a lot of hours. So let's do some housekeeping to finish things off. First of all, Brian, I told you I was going to ask you who's going to win the Cup next year. You got to make a pick. 
Oh man, and I did not prepare it all since you last asked me. So do you want me I'm... to do you want me to go first and give you a little bit of time to think about it? No, I think I'm just going to say Tampa. Wow. Okay. Even though you're concerned about Vasilevsky holding up, you don't think it matters? Yeah, I think as long as he's an average goalie and any goalie can catch fire in the playoffs, I think they've got a pretty good shot. Okay, I'm going to go with Winnipeg, I think. Similar similar type of team, right? Like, I just think Winnipeg is so stacked and I'm really excited to see what they can do. But it's such a crapshoot. Who knows? Maybe we Such should. a crapshoot. And, and one team that I think isn't going to get enough respect, at least until the playoffs start and everyone remembers, Boston is going to be a really good team again this year. And they have a legit shot to contend as long as one of their two goalies can do the job. Yeah. Actually, Brian, you know what? Let's include this still in more goalies board because I'm just realizing now that we didn't give the final tiers. I didn't read them out. What our final oh, decision was. So you I'm, better do that. So I'll do that. So look at that. You Schmorgolisberg people that didn't buy the Almanac, you got a little bonus. You got our cup predictions, which have probably changed since uh, two weeks has passed. <laughs> uh, okay. Here's how we finished off our official goalie tiers until something happens in training camp and we move a Pittsburgh guy and a Calgary guy off the list or if something happens in Chicago that gives us a bit of more information about Crawford. I'm not sure what else we're waiting to find out in training camp regarding these goalies. So here we go. Tier 1, Braden Holby, Connor Hellebuck, Frederick Anderson, Sergei Bobrovsky. Tier 2, John Gibson, Andre Vasilevsky, Marc-Andre Fleury, Matt Murray, Pekka Rinne. Tier 3, Jonathan Quick, Devin Dubnik, Cam Talbot, Ben Bishop. Tier 4, Antti Ranta, Jake Allen, Martin Jones, Tukas Rask, Mike Smith. I almost made it, Brian. Okay, Tier 5. Actually, I'm not even halfway through. Tier 5, Henrik Lundqvist, Brian Elliott, Carey Price, Corey Crawford. Tier 6, Semyon Varlamov, Roberto Luongo, Corey Schneider. Tier 7A, Philip Grubauer, James Reimer. 7B, Carter Hutton, Craig Anderson, Jacob Markstrom, Jimmy Howard. 8A, Thomas Grice, Robin Leonard, Scott Darling, Petter Morazic. 8B, Yaroslav Halak, UC Saros, Keith Kincaid, Aaron Dell, Mikhail Neuwirth, Jonathan Bernier. Tier 9, Linus Ulmark, Ryan Miller, Anton Hudobin, Cam Ward, Phoenix Copley, Chad Johnson, Malcolm Subban, Curtis McElhenney, Eunice Corposalo, David Riddick, John Gillies, Casey DeSmith, Tristan Jari. Tier 10, Darcy Kemper, Miko Koskinen, Jack Campbell, Alex Stalock, Antony Yemi, Louis Demang, Mike Condon, Alexander Georgiev, Laurent Brossois, and Anders Nilsson. Elon, you're going to want to kill me. But I just, I'm just saying, I think a healthy Corey Crawford belongs a tier above where he is. <sighs> yeah. But Chicago's we're, terrible. We're going to leave it. We can, we can edit later. Chicago is terrible, but I don't know, like, compare them to Arizona. Is it that big of a difference between the two teams? I think- and Auntie Ronta, we're counting on being a really good goalie in Arizona. Corey Crawford... We, can, we have a better reason to count on him for being a really good goalie in Chicago. Let me give you the depth chart on Arizona on defense, okay? Oliver ekman Larson, Alex Goligoski, Jacob Chikrin, Nicholas Hjalmarsson, Jason Demers, Jordan Osterley, Kevin Connaughton, okay? Now let me tell you the defensemen on Chicago. Duncan Keith, and then garbage. Okay, like Brett Seabrook, Jan Ruta, Eric Gustafsson, Brandon yeah, Manning, point, Connor point Murphy. Taken. Point taken. I think that Chicago probably has a little more elite talent up front, however. I mean, they definitely have Patrick Kane. That's true. Arizona has Clayton Keller, who's maybe not right at Kane's level, but he's close. But then after that, Arizona, you've got Stepan, and you've got Galchenyuk, and then I guess like a bunch of sort of middle 60 guys that could be good. Chicago, though I feel like Stepan and Galchenyuk are pretty similar at this point to, say, Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad. So I don't know. I don't know if that's really the case. Yeah, I, I, I'd i go Chicago. I think they're closer than you might 
imagine, which is why I could move Corey Crawford up. But then I would also want to move Brian Elliott up too. We're going to leave it. Thank you. It's just a nugget. Just a nugget. All right. So thanks everyone for listening to Schmorgoliesborg. Bye. 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 Bye.